Hey, hey, this is Soma79 with a special announcement. My new Mega Mix is up. My MF Doom Mega Mix Oxidation Moons Day is now available. Go to www.soma79.com slash doom to check it out. It's a 30-minute mix that I did of MF Doom raps over my own beats. I really enjoy it. I hope you really enjoy it. So check it out. Tell a friend. Peace. Articulate Ox Podcast. I'm your host, Soma79. Thank you so, 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 so much for joining me today. My guest today is Sean Smoke. Uh, this was a really interesting one. We went for a long time here because when you get two wrestling fans together to talk wrestling, it just uh, snowballs from there. Um, Sean does a lot of different things. He does, uh, he raps, he makes beats, he, uh, he's a cameraman, he works in the wrestling industry around the Boston area, and he's got tons of great stories. I really enjoy talking to him. Um, I'm probably going to have Sean again at some point. I'm thinking about maybe having, when WrestleMania comes around, having some of our wrestling-related guests come back for sort of a group roundtable or something. So, Sean, this is your official invite to that. Um, an idea I cooked up less than 20 seconds ago, so stay tuned. But um, follow Sean. Um, he's amazing. He's great. It's a great conversation. Thank you so much for being here. And all right, peace. Hey, welcome to the newest episode of the Articulate Ox Podcast. I am your host, Soma79. Thank you so much for joining me. My guest today is Sean Smoke. What's going on, Sean? Is there, what's popping, y'all? Not much. How you Bro, doing? I'm chilling. Sweet. I like, um, it's funny. Every time I see you pop up my feed, I feel like you're doing something else. So I don't know what to really, I'm going to rattle off some things that I believe you do. Let me know if I get any, any of them wrong. Real uh, rapper. Yes, sir. Video director. Yep. Beat, beat producer yes sir um you do something with wrestling i think or i do a lot with wrestling yeah, Sweet. yeah, yeah. awesome sure. well definitely i think that's how you got on my radar because i think there was an AEW show in worcester and i wanted to go on i don't know anybody who's going to go to this show and then i saw hush pop up on that i'm like well fuck he 
I guess he's the one that I should have. And I think you were with him or something. I probably started following. I brought him, him with me. I was like, "Hush, you gonna go check out AEW with me, bro?" I got tickets. Like someone blessed me with tickets for that night, and I had I had like nobody I, I could bring with me. Hush with me. Not not. I would have brought him first, but he was also the only one available. But I was like, "Bro, I want to show you this world." Yeah, yeah. Especially AEW. This was a live AEW experience. I haven't been yet, but you know, I know that there is a there's a difference. Like the AEW live experience is obviously it's. I, I appreciate you doing this now. Actually, AEW Dynamite kicks off in twelve minutes, and we it's are when, one week out from means. Blood and Guts. Yeah, you know what that means. <laughs> Did you go to Blood and Guts in Boston? I want. I, I was like not sold on going, bro. AEW's current product does not have me sold. Yeah, I like Collision, but I'm not the. Me too. Bro, I'm kind of over the blood too, so. I do too. Uh, I'm not like a big on like Moxley doing it every time. But the thing is, is that Collision's presentation like just catches my eye like so much better. Like I just, I, I like the feel of the show, the pacing of the show a lot better. Like the matches on the show are actually like, I, I hate to say more contained, but like they're more made for TV. Like if you look at like AEW's TV matches, that's why they just had to come up with that rule list. If you saw that, well, yes. like, yeah, because they probably, were, a little, probably long overdue for, for a lot brother, of the people to work in that company. I'm so surprised that it took that long for a company that's on national television mm-hmm. to have some standards and guidelines like that to protect their guys. Certainly limits their growth too, because I think we're seeing that AEW has hit the audience. They're really going to find with their current product. And like WWE goes far and beyond because they appeal to family. So one ticket turns to four tickets and, AW's got to find some way to sort of pivot that without losing the core audience. The uh, the summer show they're having at Wembley Stadium is going to be yes. a big. Indeed. That's going to be a big test for them, bro. Like, and they haven't announced any matches yet, have they? I mean, not. I guess not. But the funny thing is, is like you can see like MJF building against Adam Cole. I think yeah. that might be a thing. Um, unless they're going to do, unless they're going to do punk trying to like, say he's still the champion and fight MJF there. But I feel like they want to hold that off for longer. If they would be smart to pull the trigger on that at that show. Um, but man, all that stuff, I would love to see make it like pick up from where they left off. But like, also if they don't address like the elephant in the room, yeah, shit. the, the young real. buckery of it all <laughs> facts, bro. You get it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, so, so I feel like that right there is money made for them. Like that was just like God being like, Hey, you guys, here's like the modern day storyline you guys have been wanting and hoping for just disguised as a real life incident. Now take with it and do with it what you will. But Tony Khan is just a little busy doing other things. I don't know. His booking is questionable to me. I know me too. I think it might be that there, and this is my speculation that maybe there's still legal action going on between the parties involved and perhaps they can't just do that. But even that it's like, get the fuck over it. Like that's exactly, yeah, dude, that's what I'm saying. It's been like a year. And it's like, I'm, I'm, I'm a, I'm a punk fan. I'm surprised at at how big of a mixed reaction he's getting now that he's back. It's, it's like, I thought it might just be in a couple crowds. Maybe it's because they've been in Canada for a while lately, but it seems like he's really getting a pretty mixed reaction. It's that plus, you know, it shows you the power of the internet. Yeah, yeah it really does. Um, and Canada was like hit or, hit or miss with their crowds up there too. But like they were pretty vocal. It shows you though, vocal like vocal yeah. was good. And Dave Meltzer they, still has his reach. <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. I mean, the star ratings have kind of lost their their the luster to me. But once you start giving six stars and on a five star scale, it seemed to be like, well, maybe this is. <laughs> And especially like I get it, dude. Like I get it. You like the most athletic spot fest looking matches, but 
But like, to me, like what draws me in as a television viewer is like what I'm seeing on SmackDown with like the bloodline, yeah. stuff like that is the kind and of I'd thing. And I say Judgment Judgment Day on Raw this week was awesome. They 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 were spread out, through the, all four of them were on the entire, were spread out on the, on the show and all four of them were great segments. And you saw them on NXT and yep. you're probably about to see them on SmackDown. Yeah. Yeah, Dominic it's just like AMA, AEW could not turn turn Dominic. It's like the, I think the equivalent in AEW side, the closest to to compare him to is Hook because they're both second generation stars. They both clearly have a lot of raw stuff to work with, and they both clearly understand the business better than a lot of other people their age because they grew up in it. But Hook is nowhere near the level of a main event wrestler, and Dominic isn't in the ring, but his personality is the second biggest heel in the company next to Roman. Really, facts. Um... He, you see the like amount of like heat that he generates every single time he tries to say a word, man. It's crazy. I've never seen really anything like that. Yeah, the closest like, you see is you see Christian gets it sometimes in AEW, but he's took a long time for him to earn that. Facts and Christian, Christian knows how to get it though. You know, like oh, Christian's yeah. classic heel. What a shitty, like shit eating heel. You know what I mean? Like dressing in all black, like just turtleneck like, wearing motherfucker. Yeah, like who uh, people want to smack that motherfucker, bro. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, love I love Christian's it. heel work though. Like, Me too. You can't, too. you can't go wrong with him. And like he's doing good. Like Jack Perry dropped the Jungle Boy. That yeah. was a whole Christian. Like, Christian did most of that. You know what yeah. I mean? I, yeah. I don't really remember much of what Jack Perry did. I just remember a lot of what Christian said to him and how Jack Perry may have responded. But it was a lot. Thank you, Christian, for that. If I'm Jack Perry, there's a lot of dudes. Like I, when I look at a guy like Sammy Guevara, he seems to me like a guy who should look at Christian as a model because Sammy's he's doing a lot with his body that may sort of slow him down in time. But like I look at him as somebody who the fans both want to like but also want to hate at the same time. Like it's he's one of those dudes who'll get you to trust him then stab you in the back, and that's a very Christian thing. I feel like if he he if he goes down that path, he's gonna be in good shape. Very good point. Very, very, very good point. Valid on all, uh, all. Right all right. So let's talk a little bit about what you do in the rest. So you, what do you do in wrestling? Give me, bro. I want to fix this lighting so That's bad. Cool. Like, you look crispy as fuck, and I'm like, <laughs> I, I forgot my like, um, my ring light, like that. I yeah, what to say? You, it's like video director. You must have some lights around there. No, I do, but I. That was the that was the thing. Like, I, my whole computer with my setup is like kind of sectioned off at the moment so i couldn't get to that I'm oh yeah i know that's like it, yeah basically like so i have my laptop on the other side of the room and i didn't even think to add the ring light it's been a while since i've done like actually like a online zoom interview bro like yeah. as much as i'm like online on instagram i'm really not on zoom interviews a lot at all if anything like you might have seen me on like a local cable access interview with that's where they have the lights set up for you but yeah yeah, yeah. i got yeah, go for it yeah go for it it's the most unprofessional thing I've ever done, but it's oh also, whatever. It's but it's, it's also like this, bro. Like I I I I learned that like it would have been way worse if I stayed at my house. So I grabbed my computer, I unhooked my shit, I called my friend down the street, my girl Chrissy. I'm like, hey, listen, I already got it. Let me open the door to this house and get in this little extra room you have because I know it'll be quiet and I know it's a little better, well lit, but. Yeah, I appreciate the yeah, hustle. That's what leads to success, you know. It's like <laughs> I'm like, bro, I gotta do something here, but you know what? It's that ring light, bro. But either way, it looks low. Like it's fine. The two yeah. windows was messing me up. So yeah, yeah, you pro that probably makes it a little worse. It's crazy too, because I I went I studied film in college a long time ago, and like lighting is really it's really tricky. It's um you got to know what you're doing. It's the most important thing too. Like oh, I just yeah. 
Yeah. I kind of, you know what I mean? Like I have a lot going on. What I do in wrestling is this. I just found out that our women's champion was just stripped of uh, her title today, Wrestling Federation of America uh, out of Concord. Um, what? Yeah. So basically, um, you have to look at the website on like go to the Facebook, or whatever, but like Wrestling Federation of America, uh, we have like some of the really like some of the best uh, up and coming talent that is kind of like a feeder system to NXT and other like federations. But like the people who work like guys like Gabe Sapolsky have been to our uh, Gabe. Yep. Yeah. And that name carries a lot of weight in the wrestling industry. Funny thing about Gabe and myself is he probably doesn't remember this at all. But when I was uh, like 13 or 14, bro, I was at the Wonderland Greyhound Park uh, in Rivera for ECW, like on a regular occasion. My first. This isn't the Mass Transit incident, is it? My first ever ECW was the Mass Transit incident. Oh, but you were at the Mass Transit incident? Absolutely. All right, now give a little background on what this is for people who don't know, because the license is like kind of forgotten for most people. But this is this so, is a very infamous moment in wrestling, which I'm sure will be covered in this book that I got yesterday and have been reading. John oh, that's Gordon. fire, bro. I oh, came he out, did it with Sean Oliver, too. That's yeah, good. Just came out yesterday. He's got it yesterday. I read the first 100 pages, and it's phenomenal. Well, oh, really, really well read. Like I am, bro. All right. Oh, God, yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. fire. <laughs> nice, dude. The original OG ECW owner. Yeah, and it's like he's already gotten to the parts where he's sort of – he's bringing Paul, Paulie in, but he's already feeling like, I don't know if I can trust this guy. I'm like, eh, it's, we'll see what happens. <laughs> <laughs> he, took him, he took him right out. But Paulie kept him on screen for a little yeah. while. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, so mass transit. Yeah, man, background on this, this incident, this is like one of the most infinite, infamous shoot incidents in professional wrestling history, like yes. one of the worst to ever go down in folklore. Let me shut these up. Um, and so what happened was the gangsters, New Jack and Mustafa, yes. were scheduled to face, um, I believe it was like Balls Mahoney and Axel Rotten or like Axel Rotten or the Dudleys, I forget which, but one of the Dudleys couldn't make it. So I believe it was like, no, it was Bubba, it was Devon Dudley, and I think Axel Rotten couldn't make it. So there was this 17-year-old kid. His name is Eric Kulas. He he met Paul Heyman in the background, and he's like, Hey man, I'm a trained professional. Like I I got I got my gear with me. If you need anybody to work tonight, I got you. Paul Heyman was like, All right, you're 18. All right, you can go. All right, word. So signed up for this match. All of a sudden he's out there with New Jack. But the thing is, is in wrestling. If you're a new guy, like you don't ask the veterans, hey, can I get some shit in on you during the match? And especially New Jack, who R.I.P. is a lunatic <laughs> or like, I mean, I, I don't know what where the, the line between reality and, and fantasy is with New Jack, but he's not someone I would want to test that line with. New Jack kind of used professional wrestling to get away with a lot of crazy shit. Yes, that, um, that, that's consistent with stories I have heard. Yes. <laughs> look at Gypsy Joe, like the 70-year-old dude, like that he did some dark too, you know? Um, and even throwing the other dude off when he didn't want to jump, which I guess was, I don't know. Oh, I don't know. Rick Ryan. I, I, yeah, I don't know how you make it. I was at like that, that too, bro. That was in Connecticut. <laughs> have you ever had to go to court for ECW? It feels, <laughs> like, feels like you probably, you know, might have to testify at some point. Facts, I believe it. No, I mean, the funny part about it is like, I thought that was part of the show when I was a kid. Like when I was 13, I was like, man, I was really like still, I was in like America Online was heavy. So I was like writing a wrestling newsletter. Like I thought I knew ins and outs of the business. And uh, bro, I went to that show. 
the incident occurred and I just remember not seeing how bad it was. And no, so we're went, talking about mass transit now. We're talking about grind. Yeah, sorry. Right. Back mass to the transit. mass transit yeah. incident. And now, I, Matt, mind you, mass transit was the name this, this dude, Eric. That was the wrestler name he gave. He, that's yeah, and he was a nobody was. like in the business. You know and he was mean? probably too young to be there at 17. He was. That's why ECW kind of won the court case because he lied about his age and he shouldn't have been there in the first place trying to play with the big boys when, you know, in any other scenario, it probably would have passed with no problem. But because he had asked New Jack, hey, man, can I get my shit in on you? That really pissed off a drunken, coke-fueled New Jack. And uh, he used that to the best of his ability to nearly, like, maim this man in front of me and about, like, 300 other people at the Wonderland Greyhound Park. I just remember seeing, like, an X-Acto knife blade come out of the trash can. And then all I remember next is, like, a bunch of commotion and, like, the father on the outside of the range being like, he's 17. Get him out of there. He's a kid. And my father, he's like, Sean, we're out of here. I'm like, no, no, dad, it's part of the show. He's like, not this part. It's not. I'm like, oh, man. So I had no choice. I was mad. Like, I missed the Sandman in the main event. But I was a tape trader back then. So, dude, this kid on AOL, I'll never forget his screen name, Malenko55. <laughs> Me and this kid were chatting back and forth, looking to trade tapes. And I, I forget what I sent him. But I remember that what I got in return was the IWA King of Death Matches 95 with uh, Cactus and Terry. Cactus Jack, yeah. yeah. And then um, the New Jack Mass Transit incident. And I scoured that tape down. So it wasn't until I watched the VHS, like, firsthand at, of the incident I, I was at, till I, like, did I see the brutality. You know what I mean? Like, the way I describe it to people is, like, you know how, like, back in the day at school, like, you had to lean over and, like, hit the water bubbler and like the water would like come out like an arc, like an arch. Like that was like the blood squirting out of this dude's forehead. Like when he was like laying on the ground, New Jack stomps him in the stomach. Like Mustafa hits him with a toaster from the top and New Jack just grabs the mic. He's like, I hope this motherfucker dies. Oh. And it, bro, I was so brutal, bro. Like I That's was like- That's not gonna sound good in court. <laughs> bro, it was bad, but I was like, so like, you know, I got to work with Tommy Dreamer like years later, bro. We're at the Kingston Mall in Massachusetts, like Kingston, Mass. And I'm yep. about to take him across the hall of the mall to like this green screen area where we shot like some like green screen footage, like some promo footage, et cetera. And uh, I was like, hey, man, can you can you do the innovator of violence thing for me? Like do that. Like he's like, oh, yeah, I forgot that one. I'm like, bro, I had to tell you, I was like uh, my first ever ECW was the New Jack Mass Transit incident in Rivera. And he's like. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds exactly the way you'd say it, too. Yeah. I was like, oh, no, don't be sorry, bro. I was like, I didn't miss a show uh, after that at all. And, yeah, and I can't we imagine that dude must have been pulling his hair out that night because he seems like one of the more sensible people in that in that the clown, you know, parade that was ECW. Absolutely. Like, he was like in it in like it was, he like, was like Ernie who you go tell to talk to the cops. Well, because, you know, he's the straight one. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. And he like a lot of the stuff, like the stuff you saw, like produced on TV for like merchandise and stuff like Taz made a lot of the T-shirts. Tommy Dreamer, like made like all the computer stuff and like edits in his grant in his mother's house. Yeah. In the 90s. Come on. Yeah, it was man. way harder than it is now. Oh, God. It was like actual work. You know what I mean? Like it's it's actual work now because you get to know like the digital side of everything. But back then it took time. And money because it cost, and it was like you were working with like tape is a pain in the ass to work with. Like, you know, it's just, and if you don't get it, if you, it's like, if you don't get it on your shot, there's no going back. There's not like going to 9,000 other digital angles that you have. Right, right, right. The one good thing about that is that, like, 
if you have a confidence in your first take, like you'll never second guess it. Yeah. Nowadays, half the re- half of my like biggest battle is like, oh, I have like 9,000 more options that I can try. Like, hold on a minute. Like, and it takes me two seconds. Let me try this. And then before you know it, like, I'm like, wait a minute. I'm just circling back to where I started. Right. You lose all objectivity very quickly. Absolutely. And that's, um, that's so with ECW, um, that, that event changed the course of like a lot of stuff that had like a court case that, you know, Paul Heyman, I guess, like if you want, I'm sure you saw like what Paul Heyman said to like the judge in court about what mass transit said or what mass transit's dad said to new Jack and like why the court got to got a little swayed. Yeah. It was funny, man. I was like, they, they're like, they're, perf- they're kayfabing it all the way to the courthouse. Yeah. Really? It's- it is nuts because the it's they've totally obliterated even more so now the line between reality and fantasy and you, it's just like it's well nowadays it's crazy it, nowadays though it's a little different because yeah. I'm like, all right i'll watch these two like rip their heads off on tv and then like after the show uh, on my twitter feed i see them like you know they're posting pictures with each right. other like, yeah hugging or whatever like all right i get it it's all love but like come on like keep the veil up just a little bit it's like seeing like like dan Housen and brody king like action figure shopping together you know it's like it's kind of yeah. fun to watch but you're like these two right yeah do it for the content but also like respect the kayfabe and that's what i feel like a lot of the like younger generation of talent like even that i worked with like firsthand oh, through high school, yes it's uh, chloe what's up chloe so like i uh I feel like a lot of the younger wrestlers nowadays have never experienced kayfabe in in its fullest form, in its truest form. Like, you really had, like, what did it die like out like 2000, like maybe around the buyout for like 2001 to three? Yeah. I mean, even, I mean, you could argue even earlier than that. I mean, I would say when the, inter- as the internet curtain picked up, it started calls. dying. Yeah. The curtain call is a good example. Yep. You know, um, so like it slowly faded after that because like you still had acts like Stone Cold and The Rock like kind of like teetering the line a little bit like you didn't know for sure still like with Vince McMahon and him like you're like oh my god they hate each other so much yeah so uh, another like um like milestone point for like kayfabe officially dying was like when Vince McMahon blew himself up in the limo and then Thank because Benoit. Benoit, he had to yeah. come back next week and I'm like, oh, there it goes. I'm like, what there a it is. dumb angle that was to begin with. Like, <laughs> well, I just, it was so stupid. So my conspiracist mindset is like long-term storytelling. I'm like, did Vince do this on purpose? So like 20 years later, he could be like, oh, I faked myself. I faked my own death. I froze myself in a, in a chamber and I'm yeah. still young. Like, I don't know. But if they were only- Trying like- to figure out Vince McMahon's mind is not an easy thing to do. Like- and I too, I stopped watching for years basically because WWE was so shitty. And like, and it took me a while for AEW to be back to hear about it. But then, you know, once Vince was gone again, which now he's not really, but it's still not impacting the product as bad as it was before. Right. Um, it's uh, good. But that dude is a double edged sword, as far as I'm concerned. Well, what's your opinion on like, all right, if you were told, like, hey, man, we got a job for you at WWE and you got to answer to Vince McMahon directly for like the next month. Of course, you do it right. But like how nervous. Would you well, be? the thing is, I like my current job. So I, I think because there, there are parts of my life that I have thought about applying. To, I actually tried to apply to them because it's like I went to BU. That's where Shane and Stephanie went. I thought I might be able to work that angle at some degree. But back then, what I was told is that they were at that, at that point, they were going out of their way to not hire wrestling fans. They didn't want wrestling fans. 
which spoke to sort of what the um the the point they saw themselves as entertain they they saw themselves as competing with Hollywood, not like competing with WCW or like one or like TNA whatever it was at the time. Right, but right. Um, I don't know that I want the headache because I don't I don't like leaving the house. But like it like. I mean, I would consider other jobs in wrestling, probably AEW or something. I just don't feel WWE. I'd be giving up a lot of my life for something that I feel like would be over in like no time. So for me, right, like I work in wrestling. Uh, I've worked like, you know, for some of the top independents uh, around here, just doing camera work, right? And like, say when I work for like Beyond or Wrestling Federation of America and Concord, um, I have headphones on where there's a producer in the back switching live. Yeah. Who literally came up under Jim Cornette. Oh, uh, shit. <laughs> yeah, he he commentated this guy that I work for, he uh, worked with and for, but like he came up under Kevin Kelly uh, in Ring of Honor and he uh, they, they also threw him onto commentary in Ring of Honor for like the Steen Generico like blow off like yeah. third match like the with Steve Carino on commentary so like my boy Caleb they, they put him on commentary Ring of Honor with Kevin Kelly and Steve Carino wow. like he was even ready and now he's running these uh, this promotion up here with uh Mike Allo and stuff like that so when I work bro like I, I I film the shows but I also film the promos in the back and that's like my favorite part like filming the shows can be tough um it's a lot of running around a lot of making sure there's no cords in your way you got to read the matches and the wrestlers right making sure like you know which sides of the ring they're working making sure the lights on in the shot like there's a lot of the uncertainty of a live crowd yeah dude like and sometimes like there's stuff that you're not privy to that you have to just be on your toes about like and just like work as it goes you know what i mean like there's stuff that like is about to happen that they're like testing you out they're like all right let's see how they respond to this one you know what i mean and then just throw you to the dogs bro um the funny part about it is like my favorite part like i love to be out there like at the same time as the match and as close to the ring as possible absolutely um however like i'm always sore you know what i'm saying like it holding the camera for that long running around like for every night i'm, I'm sore for a couple of like a day or two after but my favorite like that's like the only downfall about it my big my my like favorite part about working with wrestling is like shooting the promos in the back with like the people because like i'm entrusted to work with these people alone and like be like all right that's good enough or that's not like this is good enough for tv or this is not good enough for tv and when i say tv i mean like iw tv like uh independent wrestling television um the, that whole streaming network um there's a lot of content that i filmed that's like ended up being on that um but like when I work with the promos and stuff, like, bro, you should come out. Um, I'd love to. Yeah. August 5th, Dr. Tom Pritchard's doing a seminar. Oh, no shit. I've heard of his seminars before. That's awesome. I did one before, and, like, I was just there filming it, right? And then, like, Dr. Tom, like, saw me standing in the back, and he's like, hey, you. And I was like, me? I, like, there's a whole bunch of wrestlers that, like, paid to come there from, yeah. like, New Jersey, Monster Factory, like, all over the region. And uh, literally, like, he's like, it's your turn. We were doing promos, 60-second promos in front of, like, a camera. And I'm like, me, bro? Yeah, uh, and I'm, like, I'm the cameraman. <laughs> I'm like, I didn't want to tell him that, though, bro. So I'm like, and, and my man, like, Caleb got mad at me after a little bit. But it was funny, nonetheless, because I just remember the Jim Carrey movie, Yes, Man. Yeah. Where I'm like, I got to say yes to every opportunity, yes. that, especially that I'm nervous about. 
You know what I mean? Like, cause you never know what's on the other side. So I got to walk through that fear yep. and then cut that promo in front of all, all these. I'm like, well, I've been watching this shit my whole life. Number one. And number two, like, I'm probably low key, like better at promos than half of the guys at least here right now. Like, not that I'm like, can actually wrestle a match. I'm talking about like, just talking. I can maybe be better than like half of these people here at this moment. Maybe. And you're so, not in your head over it too. Cause you haven't been thinking about it all day. It's that's like, the thing, dude. You know. Right. So that 20 seconds that I had between now and the camera, like I had to come up with like a name, a character, like somewhat of a story. And bro, I cut a 60 second promo. I'd give myself like a 70% on it. Like if I was grading yeah. myself, but like Dr. Tom was like, you could have done this. Now, when you said this, you could have said that. And luckily I was like recording in the, all the audio on my phone. So like, oh. I still have that to re refer to. And like, I'm wondering like, Hey man, August 5th, is he going to remember the boy? He'd be like, yo, you know what I mean? And bring yeah. me back. Like, I don't know, but I would love, like I was telling my other friend about it, man, you got to come out August 5th in yeah. concrete at the elite pro wrestling Academy. Um, send you the link all that yeah I'll definitely i'll try to make it out i am shooting a video next week unfortunately but I, i'm gonna see depending on what time it is i'm gonna see if i can try to make it out because I, I definitely like i haven't been to independent wrestling in a long time and this where we live in a great area for it massachusetts is huge for independent wrestling think about all the greats that come from this area bro yeah kofi kingston sasha banks sasha bro, banks like, yep keep going you know what i yeah. mean like, and then a lot of the old time guys too Triple i mean H. like Beefcake lived around here. Georgie Animal Steel lived around here. Yeah, Triple H and China are from New Hampshire. Yeah, and that's Concord. Uh, no, they're from like Nashua. So like yeah, our, our other New Hampshire shows are in Nashua at the Boys and Girls Club. So oh, like, cool. it's cool because I'm like, all right, like you see a guy like Kingpin Brian Malonis, he just like makes like this statement. He's like, yeah, I'm the best wrestler from New Hampshire. I'm just like, you know, that's a dick at Triple H. Yeah, but. Brian Malonis is also the only wrestler to ever bring out John Cena and or Vince McMahon to a fucking indie show. What? How did they do that? Bro, you never seen it? I don't think so. I mean, it's not John Cena Sr., is it? It's John Cena, like... No, 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 no. I, John Cena Sr. is plentiful and very abound. Like, very, he makes <laughs> yeah, he's not hard to get a hold of. I'm surprised right. he's not popping in right now. <laughs> Johnny Fabulous, man. Yeah. Yeah, but not John Cena and Vince McMahon showed up i think it was like chaotic bro might have been chaotic but it was like a 2007 indie show where brian malonis first rick fuller was the main event and john cena was the special guest referee and then like there was like a scuffle at the end john cena got involved and then you hear no chance and it's really what vince mcmahon at an indie show bro where was the show still blows my mind I, I I don't I don't it's on Brian Malonis's YouTube like That's all of that why. like especially around then because that wasn't an era where they were really looking it's like because WWE usually likes to pretend that there's no other wrestling outside of them I mean like unless done. unless they're trying to tell a specific story but they don't try to pretend like there's a big world of independent wrestling going around right 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 uh, it, it it was very very out of left field bro wow. and that was like the kingpin brian malonis and he he's always the one saying i'm the best wrestler out of new hampshire but he can stake a claim to being the only person to bring vince mcmahon to the indies bro but isn't that what's great about wrestling is that for, especially for wrestling fans been watching for years like we have it's so easy to get jaded it's so easy to say it's the same thing over and over again but every once in a while something happens that is like some that's cool because it's real and cool because it's fake and it's something you never saw coming it's like it's a it's, live action movie yeah. bro yeah like, it's like when punk was supposed to lose the belt because he was going to wwe and, and he won it you know goodbye bro come on yep I, I like that was the last time like 
Up I was until- even thinking further than that. I was even back to Ring of Honor when he did. Yeah, in WWE too. Yeah. Oh yeah. So in 2013, WWE, like Punk Cena, like Money in the Bank, like that was yeah. the last time in WWE I really remember feeling like any real heat or animosity. I was like, I don't know where this one's going. Right. And I was like, what's gonna happen? And CM, that's why I love. I don't know if you saw it, but like I made a reaction video like for the CM Punk return initially. And like, dude, that shit went viral as fuck. And I think I figured out like YouTube's algorithm bro, through that, like sure. unintentional. <laughs> yeah. Like anything as genuine as possible to you yourself, like is like close to something your heart is. Like if as long as like you're like fully invested in like, say if I'm like, all right, it's just me and this screen right, right. now. Like in if you were can pick up on that, yeah, bro. Like, as long as you just realize, like, forget the cameras there type shit, like, and the viewer can get lost in watching it with you, like, as they're, as they're you, you know what I mean? Like, to try to, like, not try to, but they subconsciously just, like, get lost in what they're watching. Yep. That's through authenticity. And, like, so, like, that freaking CM Punk reaction, bro, like, I cried. Not because it was, like, a guy coming back, but because of the story that was behind that return and the seven years that were gone and like the ups and the downs and like the whole thing that led him out of the business in the first place. And to see him make that triumphant return sell out an arena without an announcement. And then to hear that music, bro, like I bawled my eyes out like a little girl, bro. Oh, I've had those moments in wrestling too. Yeah. You feel me? It's real to me, damn it. Yeah. Yeah. You feel me? I got like 30,000 YouTube views on that shit, bro. I was like, what the hell is happening right now? And then like, I'm like, how am I going to get like all this rap shit I've done ever, bro? Like I fly around the country for this rap shit. And like me sitting in my bedroom crying over wrestling gets yeah. more. Well, it's funny, like the punk documentary he did for WWE, the best of the world one. There's a few moments in that where every time I see it, there's a tear in my eye where he talks about how he couldn't go home. And then as, as in particular, he talks about this kind of who talks about his brother and he in his relationship with Lars from Rancid. And he's like, my brother stole from me. That's not what brothers do. And he's basically, it was about him drawing the line in the sand about how he will be treated regardless of who you are. And that's something that for my personal life is, is was something I needed to hear. And I remember hearing that and having like tears go down my eyes and just being like, yeah, that's right. Shit. That's yeah. real. Yeah, bro. Fire. That's fine. See, that hits me, bro. And, like, and I tell you, I tell you when Eddie Guerrero passed away, that was a death that I took really hard like too that was another one that it's just his 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 dvd they made for him it was such a beautifully told story of redemption and then to have it all fall apart when he's brushing his teeth in a a hotel room it was just it was tough it was a real tough thing to sit with that's right there like if they're hey man god bless eddie and one of my all-time favorites dating back to wcw nitro in the cruiserweight division bro like before he was like lying cheating and stealing he was like ripping the ripping the curtains through like off and just like yeah. tearing it up on nitro in like early 96 97 like from el paso texas like eddie guerrero with the mustache and the like the mullet know? yeah bro i was like this guy especially i loved his music and then like when he went to wwe with the radicals i was like all right yeah. this is interesting because it's it's not vince's prototypical like picks like these are four smaller guys we got sat. I, I had the most faith in Saturn, bro, because I'm like Saturn's from around here. He right. probably like, in well. He's but someone like, they probably could. They they'd probably go. We'll try to work backwards because the way he looks and making him a star, but then eventually give him a fucking mop. Yeah, and then bro, before you know, we got we got Benoit and Guerrero. Yeah, both hugging at WrestleMania. 
that is something I never saw coming, especially being like trained to believe that Vince loves the big guy. Right. You know, and I'm just like, well, sometimes they have to listen to the fans. And that was like around the era of like SmackDown being really good. And I think Eric Bischoff was Eric Bischoff still involved in Raw. It was East I think he, I, I think it was it was Heyman on SmackDown and, and, and Bischoff may have been on Raw. But I never knew how much of Bischoff stuff was only was only storyline oh, stuff or how yeah. much he actually did. Because I actually I think Bischoff's a great on screen presence. I think as a he especially when he's willing to sort of embarrass himself a little. I think he adds a lot oh, to great. the show. He ended up, you know, he made it made out with Vince's daughter and wife. Yeah. Like Vince is a weirdo, dog. I love it. <laughs> no, Vince is like it's far. I so I I so like I mentioned before that Vince went to BU. I mean, the, the kids went to BU. And I had a friend who who I guess knew Stephanie a little. He's a story story he told me years later. And he said that he once saw like one day Stephanie was moving into apartment. He saw Vince put like a love seat, like a couch on his back and carried up flights of stairs by himself. And he's a billionaire, or at least a yeah. multi-millionaire. It's like the, he's like, the I don't need the help. Yeah, I know. Like, it's just that's Vince, even when he's just moving a couch for his daughter, like eight years old. Well, I don't know how old he is now, but still running the con- company. And like, bro, you got it. You got guys like Donald Trump in the WWE Hall of Fame, Snoop Dogg. Yeah, like, you're like you're bigger than wrestling at this point, Vince. Yeah. So I get it. You know what I mean? Like, I get it. And you did. I, with- I get why you don't think the rules apply to you. <laughs> bro, they never did for him when his father like gave him the company. He was like, just please don't mess with how things are going. We we have a territory system. It works out for everybody. Everybody's happy. And then Vince is like, nah, fuck that. I want cable television, and I'm buying out all the territories. Well, as far as he, even given the company, he sold it to him. Like Vince, if, if yes, WrestleMania yeah. one hadn't gone hadn't gone off well, there would it would be all over around that. Vince probably. put all that into like into WrestleMania one, right? Like his his house was on the line, like to that point. Like, what are your earliest memories of wrestling? Because WrestleMania one was a little before my time. I clearly remember yeah. WrestleMania four, and I think that was probably the first one that I remember happening in real time. I, I don't know, saw the tapes of three and, and two. And so for and me, I was a little bit later, bro. Uh, I was like seven or eight. So like the WrestleManias co- coincide with my age. So when I was eight, I remember being in my friend's house and seeing glimpses of the VHS of WrestleMania eight before WrestleMania nine happened. And then I went to a house show with like Tatanka versus Doink. It was like, Oh, that, that'll suck you in. That's, that's the match is going to make you a fan uh, forever. <laughs> I know, but you know what? I was like nine, bro. So I was like maybe eight or nine. And right, like, probably the right time for that. Match. I brought the signs. I was a kid. You know what I mean? I loved Tatanka. I did love Tatanka yeah. at the time, but like, I was like, Tatanka rules, joint rules on my sign, bro. Like, I thought I was lit. And then I I get, I got an offer from my across the street neighbor that November. And it was like, do you want to go to Survivor Series? I was like, I'll go. And that was like the one that was like the least, you know, like best favorite, like people's least favorite Survivor Series, Survivor Series 93. All Americans versus foreign fanatics. It was kind of a rough time for the for WWE in general. It was yeah. around post steroid trial, I think, and it was like they were still trying to figure out what they're. So, as a fan back then, I didn't know about all that stuff. Uh, I, I I I missed Hogan's first like WWF run on TV. I actually saw WWF. that. I did watch. I, I remember watching the Saturday Night's main events with like the 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 dollar bill coming out of Hebner's pocket when they revealed there were two Hebners. I remember watching that live. I do remember seeing Ted DiBiase with the yes. uh, little kid playing basketball and he kicked the ball. Yeah. One of those was Rob Van Dam. 
he robbed Van Damme. Yeah, was bro, a kid. like that was yeah. yeah. Um, I heard about that. Um, and but my first memory on television, bro, was like 1992 on a bunkhouse buck, um, like Stephen Regal match. Like I, Love I, him. I, I don't know if it was Stephen Regal or like someone else, but it was like Squire Dave Taylor versus Bunkhouse Buck on like WCW Saturday Night, uh, from like I don't know, like April '92, some weird shit like that. But then I kept watching and watching, and then like it just evolved. All of a sudden, they started to come around to like the social music circus, and like you'd see them under the tent in like Hull or Marshfield or wherever it is. And bro, I saw like uh, you know, like you said, Owen's. I mean, Eddie's death hit you, but like I used to see Owen like up close and personal at like yeah. these shows. And then when I was, I remember watching the Owen Hart over the Edge show, and we had ordered Domino's pizza that night, like kind of like first match into the pay-per-view the Owen Hart things happen the Owen Hart things happen it happens and uh the doorbell rings and the pizza gets into the bedroom dude and I just remember my buddy going like yo this pizza was made when Owen Hart was still alive oh. and like that's when it kind of like still Man. hit us really hit us bro and it's I'm crazy still, how you, I mean, that's such a, you know, you're still, you still remember that to this day. Like, yeah. Like it was yesterday, bro. Yep. Like it was yesterday. Um, that was a tough one. That was crazy because like, dude, like if that all happened, like me, I'm a conspiracist, bro. Like Vince is a crazy mofo. Him and Brett had a falling out not long before that. Yeah. And like, I don't know. I know I don't put nothing past Vince. I'm not accusing him of anything, but I'm like, I don't put nothing past him either. So he's just nobody I would cross. Vince McMahon is like one of those guys where like he's able to use television to to project his own perversions upon yeah with with the veil of its entertainment. Well, he's friends with Trump, so you know. <laughs> Which like I said, like you got a you got a former president in the WWE Hall of Fame, bro. Like yeah, the WWE is bigger than wrestling. Yeah, how did you exactly. how did you feel when they switched it from E to from F to E when they got um, the- it's funny that came up in one of the last interviews I did because I have a WWF sticker right here of the panda. <laughs> like yeah. remember those I remember, middle school they had them everywhere in my middle school, bro. I remember thinking that for a company that had won so many big lawsuits, they really effed them. They that's a lawsuit they should have won, and because of Vince's arrogance, they kind of didn't. And I think I mean, it ultimately, I thought it was so stupid at the time, but I got used to it, I guess, quicker than I thought. It's just, it's still like the WWE logo to now. If there's an E in there, I can't see it. It's, it's just, unless it's supposed to be like, you hold it the other way. And I think that's kind of goofy, but I mean, it was so <laughs> ridiculous where they had, where they'd edit out the scratch logo all the time and pixelated. That to me was so stupid. That, that had to last a long, hard 10 years, bro. Yes. That was where they really, if, that was the thing that they shouldn't, <laughs> they, they really shouldn't have lost that in the court case, but they, I forget what it was that they had done. They're usually so good, but their main person, Jerry McDivert is now retiring. So we'll see what happens now. But Oh, wow. So, I mean, I remember like they, they've done away with the, the blurs yeah. for some time now, but they, they formed the- some sort of a deal, I think, when they got that to go away man yeah i was just like how is all this happening bro like 1999 was like crazy for me because i'm like how is master p and the no limit soldiers and the insane clown posse, like, my yeah bro my two niche fav my two favorite niche groups and, and rappers like ever like icp and no limit records bro like ask me anything you know uh i was like how are these guys in wrestling i'm like is this just because of me like is this they know i'm watching like what the they must were, know you, were you a big David Arquette fan too? 
No, but I no, but you know what? I ran into David at the airport. Me and him were on the same airplane, bro. And I trolled really? him. I got it on video. You've never seen it on my bro. No, I gotta check it out. I, I I saw the David Arquette documentary about a year or so ago, and I fucking loved it. Like so, the, that guy's. In I haven't nine. seen that, bro. I have to peep it. Uh, I'm oh, a big great. I'm a big Arquette fan nowadays. But like, oh, when this, this video will definitely that. make you one if you weren't already. Movie too. It's, it's As great. a human being, I'm a huge fan of David Arquette. Yeah. Um. But I was on the same airplane as Tim, bro. Like, I think it was like going or coming from California. It was like some LA flight. And I thought, I was like, that looks like David Arquette. So I get on my phone. We had just landed, bro. And I'm like, that's definitely him. So I, I get on my phone. I asked like my friends who like listened to a lot more Howard Stern than I used to. I listened to a lot, but like two like Howard Stern encyclopedia friends, I had to ask. I'm like, dude, I'm on the fucking flight with David Arquette. I'm like, what do I ask him? And one of my friends was just like, ask him, uh, he said, ask him something like, what are you thinking about Ronnie's sex tips or some like some shit from Howard Stern, right? And I totally forgot to do that. But my friend was like, tell him you work for Howard 100. So as soon as he's told him, like he told me that, bro, I got into like character. Yeah. So I got, I let him get off the plane. Like I let him get his like shit together and everything. And I like kind of like, mini like came up behind him i was like mr arquette mr arquette and he's like hey i was like hey it's sean from howard 100 how are you he he, he does a quick double take he's like oh hey dude he heard howard 100 he like yeah. automatically he's going right it. into pr training mode like you yeah know. sorry so i'm like i'm like oh uh so what do you think about jeff jarrett uh entering the hall of fame like i don't know what bro i was like the biggest like he's like huh <laughs> he's like shout out jeff jarrett and I'm like, yeah, yeah Russo keeps talking shit, though. I'm like, yeah, but uh, have a good day, Mr. Russo, Mr. Arquette. It was hilarious, though, bro. Like, in the moment of, like, there's, like, 10 seconds of, like, quality gem in that video. Where, like, I just ran up on Arquette, bro. Awesome. He's, um, I'll tell you, like, that documentary is wild. There's some good Jack Perry stuff in there. I think some Luke Perry stuff in there, too. But I think he's in it. Some good I'm DDP stuff. Um, I was someone too, like DDP yoga really did a lot for me like that. Like if you, you did it, I did it for, I, I, um, I bought it for my dad who was having some back problems and he never really got around to doing it. And I took it back and I have the old DVDs back when it was yoga for real guys. It helped me so much, like no just shit. so much. Yeah. Okay. So how much like of your time, day and effort and mindset did you have to adapt for it? Um, I already have sort of been of the, I'm one of those people who, when I really set myself to an exercise thing, if it's aerobic, I stick with it. So I, there's definitely times where I was too lazy to do it. But when I got into it, it took a few weeks to really get, you have to take it slow at first because it's a full body workout. You're, you're going to think you're going to fool yourself to think you're just stretching and stuff, but it is a real workout. So as long as you set your, your expectations realistic for the first few weeks, you'll get a lot out of it. And I did it so much. So I've been six feet my entire life. I did it nonstop for like two or three months. I went to the doctor and I was six one and I was oh, like, shit. yeah. Wow. And I, wow. It, it made all the difference. Oh, and I, I did was around the time I was dating a yoga instructor. I won't lie about that. So that sort of helped, but like it's, it was really, it, it was really helpful. I've always read about it and heard about it and seen how like it's made such like massive like yeah, save people's lives veterans um wrestlers that really people thought were beyond hope like the jake's the jake roberts of the world God, one uh, of the reasons jericho is still wrestling yeah I, yeah if you want to call I, it that looks at <laughs> <laughs> shout out jericho i'm kidding i do think about going on his cruises sometimes those, those look like phonics but it's the wrestling fans i don't know if i want to deal with 
Yeah, right, right, right. I mean, I'm with it. I'm with it. I would do it. Um, I remember back in the day, like they threw like wrestling cruises too. Like I forget, like WCW had one at one point. Um, so that was well run, but it was probably horribly ran, and I'm sure like, it was just, probably just like Disco Inferno, like in a sailor suit, like walking around. I would, I would imagine that, like that, yeah, it was like some kind of crazy, like Alex Wright is like the dance off competition person or something. Yeah, like, this guy. Do you remember the first wrestler you met, like, out in the wild, like, in real life? I remember for me, I was at the Providence Airport early in the morning drinking a scotch, watching, like, Good Morning America, and I look over and Spike Dudley's next to me. And I politely, I I requested him to ask to drop me off the bar. He politely declined. He gave me a very wrestler limp limp (laughs) handshake, and that was the end of the interaction. He had no interest in talking to me. And then after I left, the bartender was trying to convince the other bartender that he was a pro wrestler because Spike Dudley is about the smallest pro wrestler you're ever going to see. Yeah, yeah, thanks. And I remember him telling Buster Rhymes on the TV, and he was like, yeah, I remember him standing next to The Rock on television, and, like, they're about the same height. I was like... Yeah, yeah, yo, that's crazy. That was Spike for you, huh? Yeah, and I love Spike. That Spike Dudley-Mike Awesome match, not the technically greatest match ever, but Mike Awesome's a dude that should have been an enormous star, like... Vince Russo didn't see that in him. Yeah. Him and, and Matt Morgan are two guys that somehow didn't happen with. But Matt Morgan, I did see a future for even after WWE, like when he was in TNA and like, yep. like redoing it. I, I thought was, he was coming back after that and it never happened. You I know? thought there was a place in for like a place to the top for him, bro. I'm like he's got this, you know what I mean? I think he's yeah. in politics now. I think he now works in, in politics, but with uh, Tyrus. Oh, Tyrus. Yeah. Was have you heard about Blue Cane? I because I meant to Google this, but like Bro, I, it popped up in my feed yesterday, and I didn't have time to go into it, but I was intrigued. He has like these snow powers and shit. Like I love it. So I I don't know where that came from, and I don't know does it have anything to do with Matt Cardona? I for some reason I saw that name associated with it, but I couldn't figure out hey. how. Like I assume it wouldn't be him, and that's that's Zack Ryder, right? Right, so Matt okay, Cardona, I always that name, Jack yeah. Ryder, but he also did like a, a fake Undertaker gimmick in one of these last GCW right. shows. Yeah, and then, but I had seen a bit of Blue Cane prior to that Matt Cardona Undertaker thing, but then I did see the mention with Cardona and Blue Cane since then too. So I'm like, maybe there is a correlation. I don't know. I haven't. I just think it's one of those like main things that maybe won't last. I don't think it's an actual physical wrestler. If it, I, is, it makes like, me wonder though that it, maybe if it was that, maybe it now becomes something bigger. Because any decent wrestler who sees that buzz is like, we're gonna do something about this. Like we gotta, you know, anyone can dress up like all the money. Kane. Yeah, if, if, you know what I mean. Like so, if you just like if Kane somebody... can dress up like a politician, the rest of us can dress up like Kane. Like you Bro, know, what kind of world are we living in, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. Kane is... Kane is the mayor. Like, if you're mayor. a fan of Kane as a wrestler, stay off his Twitter feed because you're not going to be a fan of. Yeah, you he's, won't. Same with Mick Foley. Drunk. Well, what's what's Foley up to? Is he? I, uh, Foley's I, just like very. No, I, I love Foley. Don't yeah. get it wrong. I love Mick, but uh, he's just like I don't know, very sympathetic to all. I'm just like, come on, stand up for something. Yeah, yeah, he is. He you is sort I mean? of that. Yeah, yeah. Um, kind of too friendly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know, scared to offend, but that's yeah, know, yeah, I think problem. so. Yeah, oh, definitely, um, yeah, and especially because his personality is, I think it's, it may even be tied to the character because his personality is so lovable. I also see that a little bit. I, I like listening to Kurt Angle's podcast, but he's so polite and nice, and I'm like, oh, I'm glad Kurt is sober enough to be this way because yeah. you can definitely tell Kurt's got had a long ride. I'm glad yeah. he's sober enough, but it it doesn't make the best podcast. Yeah, the Perk Angle thing is tough. 
Um, <laughs> I haven't heard that um, in forever. But at the same time, the first wrestler I ever met, I don't remember the first wrestler, but I do remember like backstage at a, not backstage, but like at an ECW show in Rivera. The reason I loved to go there is because like Spike Dudley and Tommy Dreamer would like let me help them take the ring down and like the ring ropes down the escalators after the show. Like I'd hang out, ask for autographs and I'd see like Spike taking the ring down, Tommy taking the ring down. And I'd be like, hey, you guys need any help? Like, yeah, grab the ropes. <laughs> that's, the, that's the way to get your foot in the door right there. You know, and I was uh, after one of those shows, I had asked Rob Van Dam, he walked right by me. I was like, hey, Rob, bro, if I bring a dime to the next Rivera show, do you think we can smoke? <laughs> He's like, if it's convenient. And he just kept walking. What, a, what an RVD answer. Yeah, right. But after that show, that same night, I did see him in like some dude's Jeep, like fishbowling the fuck out of it. And I'm like, oh, this lucky motherfucker. Um, Grabbing around with no shirt on and a WWE championship belt with Sabu. <laughs> yeah. Riding down the highway and Oyster Chicks getting arrested with a oh, car. Man, you worked so hard to get around. there, too. Yeah, dude. Just just the luck of those two. So yeah. Sabu was just another one I met. Like, all in the same time frame was, like, Rick Rude put me in the sleeper hold. Like, oh, I love Hogan, I waited in line at the South Shore Plaza to meet. Um, I met Bret Hart at, like, WrestleMania 11 Fan Fest. I've met a lot. And then I worked at Bret Hart years later. Like, but like, man, there's still so many I wish I could have met that I don't have a chance to anymore. Like Scott Hall. Yeah. My favorite time. Yeah. Scott Hall, my all-time favorite. Him and Nash, like I was a, I just love the effect the outsiders had. And then like how like to bridge it into hip hop, bro. Like how on the outsiders, like for the outsiders on house shows in WCW, they would use the Fuji's ready or not as their uh entrance theme and i'm like how yeah. cool is that bro yeah they know they don't have to worry about tv licensing and all that bullshit they just play the song they want like and they really like they were really into west coast hip-hop at the time which was like the wolf packs real like influence when you see like nash come out with the bandana they don't up like yeah that was like if you listen to nash now which i do with sean oliver yep um, I, like literally like he was like dude we were just so into west coast hip-hop at the time and like tupac and snoop dogg and like death row and like the whole thing that was what really influenced us and like then k-dog came into the mix and like just it just blew up and i'm like bro you're so look maybe that's why i connected with it so much because when i wasn't watching wrestling i was listening to death row records yeah death listening. row is huge like bro. it's it's the like when you think of like even like how short of a time Tupac was on death row and how much influential stuff he put out, like it even kept trickling out after he was gone. It's, it's unbelievable. Yeah. That made me, I mean, I'm one of those people who really don't, doesn't believe like that Pac is gone. Like I really, I think he's that much of a great artist where like he can fake his death and get away with it eventually. Like he could have like the seven day theory, like the yeah Machiavelli album. The Machiavelli album, the whole love like, that album, show yeah. shot, like the whole book. yeah. Oh, know, that I forgot about that. Yeah, um, it's like the seven day theory is really the craziest part, and then like how there's no death certificate, like just a bunch yeah. of stuff. Like none of the like the potential sightings of Pac. Like nah, I just think that like when you look at Machiavelli, like what did he do? If you study Machiavelli, he was an artist who faked his own death, and then Pac calls himself Machiavelli and just happens to die. The September seventh, thirteenth thing, like the the. Yeah. Bro, there's just too many things where it's like, oh, it's just he's just that smart, but he's so gangster he got killed. Like, I don't know. 
Like, yeah. shout out to Pac if he's still living, because I think he is. He's still alive in my heart, bro. Yeah, oh, me too. It's like, I, you know, there weren't a whole lot of, well, a lot of hymns left. I mean, there wasn't like, I mean, it was not long after that before we were living in a rule of, a world of jaw rules, you know, it's like. How much did you hate? I don't know. I was one, bro. I really was not a fan when Ja Rule ever came on the radio. Ever. It was like, I mean, I'm sort of, it's like, I'm also like, unless I outright hate something, it's like, ah, it's not for me. But like, it's just, it was a pretty sad time in hip hop. It, it, That's it really, what it was to It was me, a vacuum bro. that everybody was trying to fill. And it was, you know. Yes, sir. Like Dipset coming out was cool. Like, but you seen G Unit Dipset, and it really got oversaturated. Like, so and I look like at the like, locks were like kind of pushed to the side. The real lyricists were really just like, we don't need you right now. Now, with that being said, like the locks, we are the streets album is like one of my favorites still to this day. Like, one of the um, worst covers like, though of all time. What's funny is like, yes, execution wise, like that was the worst cover. Like in an idea form, like it yeah, might have worked out what they had yeah. right. Person so 1998 it, Photoshop, maybe not. <laughs> yeah, right. However, the production, like with Timberland on that album, and like, uh, just just Swiss, like I, I just really loved like I'm a ride like the the yeah. Timberland beat, whatever that was, like the whole album, bro. Like that, and I I didn't like the locks on Bad Boys. So when they went to Rough Riders, like I I was a fan. And I have been a fan ever since. Like after I bought that We Are the Streets album, I was I bought the Styles P solo album. Like I would have never bought a Styles P solo album had it not been for the We Are the Streets album. Yeah. So with that being said, like Jada's still rocking shit. You know, obscene. He's ridiculous. One of the most respected MCs of all time. Um yeah. when it comes to like New York MCs, like I'm a weirdo, bro, because I say that proud proudly though, because I I'm like an anomaly in my area in the sense of like who I listen to for music. So like I'm from Braintree, Mass. I, I grew up in Braintree, Mass. I was born in Dorchester. I lived in Quincy first and I grew up in Braintree. Um, and as a person that grew up in Braintree, I somehow came across the Murder Was the Case soundtrack, the Doggy Style album, The Chronic, the Wu-Tang yeah. 36 Chambers, anything I could get my hand on and cover with my thumb, the parental advisory sticker, so it'd be okay to buy. I could yeah. get, and like the Grave Diggers, yeah. uh, like whole RZA side project. Like I didn't even know that was a RZA like side project when I bought it. I only bought it because there was no parental advisory on it, and I knew I could get it. I remember like, playing that game a bunch too. Yeah, I remember being blocked from getting a too short tape at a mall in New York in New Hampshire because the the lady there told my grandmother it was R rated. So I got Pete Rock and Seal Smooth instead. Still a great interesting, album. But, interesting. Interesting. Yeah. So. I ended up getting the Get In Where You Fit In tape by Too Short, which is to this day one of my favorite albums ever. Fucking great. And I just found out the other day that he's on the bill with uh, Snoop and Wiz on Friday in Mansfield. So it's oh, too, really? Too Short, Warren G, Snoop, and Wiz Khalifa. So I'm about to actually be copping tickets tonight because I should have already, but yeah. I can't miss when my guys are in town like that, bro. Like I was just having a conversation with Hush the other day about Warren G and Snoop and Tupac and some things that like we had seen in some documentary. Yeah. And uh, basically how it was weird that Warren G was never a part of death row. And yeah. I, like, I remember the story about that. Yeah. So he broke it down. He he sent me a link to like this YouTube link that compiled like every Tupac's and like what, like death row person's interview ever in like this like short little form. Yeah. And 
the way he broke it down to me, bro, was that Warren G just kind of saw some things with Dre, like Dre and Warren weren't getting along great. And Snoop just didn't kind of want to be in the middle of it all, but like it ended up being fine. Like, look at what's happening now, bro. Like the funniest part about it was, bro, was like, you know, Snoop is like my number one of all time, of all time. Uh, And with that being said, bro, like I talked my way into um, the back of like a Snoop concert one time by one of his security guards, bro. It was April 2010 at the House of Blues in Boston. Now that's My a skill sister. that'll get you somewhere is being able to do stuff like that. <laughs> Bro, I'm trying to tell you, it was it's only in certain certain like if I know what I'm talking right. about. I know there are certain situations where I see an opportunity. I'm like, this is the moment. I know I can do yeah. this. It's a matter yeah, of whether I, I want gotta, to. I gotta pull yeah. that card right now. Exactly. Yeah. So the security guard was standing there, bro. And I was like, seeing these people go into the green room line. I'm like, those people get to meet Snoop. I'm like, I guarantee you that they haven't put in the hours listening that I have. I guarantee you they don't know what I know about the whole history of the music and everything like that. So I talked to the security guard and I'm amped. I'm like fresh off the concert, like singing everywhere. I'm like, listen, bro, if there's anybody in this building that deserves to meet Snoop, it's me. And I dropped like a minute of knowledge on him about Snoop's like uh, whole shit. He's like, you know what? You right. Come on back. Bro, I ain't gonna lie at all. So I'm like, is it cool if I bring my sister with me? He's like, yeah, yeah, come on. So then we sat in the green room for about 20 minutes while Snoop took about three to five minutes with each person, bro, individually. I like, I shit you not, he was like physically and like spiritually there with each person while he spoke with them. Like he wasn't like signing autographs and like moving them along. He knew that every person had something to tell him. So he like, took the time for each and every one of the people bro. that's why and the I, bigger the, the, you hear that about the really big stars like that they make <laughs> you feel like you hear that about tom cruise you say what you want about him but everybody knows that's ever met him has said that when you're talking to him you feel like he, you're the only person on the planet that's that's what it is bro because like i i had a feeling too like i my confidence was full bro i'm like i don't even have any fear that snoop's gonna reject me or not listen to me like i already knew i'm like he's been waiting for this he just doesn't know you know what i mean like and then when i left bro i was like snoop i was like sean smoke man i'm like you're never gonna forget the name i'm like and you're gonna hear from me again and when i hit when you hear from me again you're gonna tell me remember this he's like all right sean smoke bro this shit was lit bro so i hope maybe on friday bro i'm pissed because like i wanted to hit the big night live he's doing um a dj set as dj snoopadelic oh, uh, at cool. night, four hours after his set in mansfield i'm like dude snoop's still doing doubles i'm like he's double gigging bro and he's like 50 i don't know yeah he's like 1973 yeah probably 50 yeah he's probably about 50 yeah just I got like, to open for Warren G once years and years ago. Like, was it at, at Fiddlers or like uh, not Harper's, Harper's Ferry? Harper's Ferry. Yes, yes, yeah. yes. I was supposed to go to that, bro. Yeah. Damn. I only what? did like one song because I think it was, um, I don't know if was you know. November of whatever I, year? Yeah, it was because I remember. So Mike Monarchy and my old crew, which was me, Pilsy Beats, Pascarosa, Narconics, I don't know if you know him. Like um, we had just. Derek? Yeah. Oh wow! He's bro. my man. I, I'm actually I do a lot with him now. I was in a, my group, Mike Monarchy, with me was me, Pilsy, and in um, Nick Pascarosa, who's Narconics, and um, I'm more working. Work. I just finished the, an EP with Pilsy. We're doing some more stuff. Um, Shout out Pilsy, man! I know uh, that's a soldier right there, bro. Yeah, Shout yeah. out. Pilsy. 
ago. Yeah. He's, so like we did, I remember we did a show where we opened for RA, the rugged man and my solo CD was supposed to be in that day, but the printer fucked it up because I designed something particularly to look a certain way. And he thought it was a mistake. So it got delayed a day and it wasn't there in time. And I was pissed. And then the next day that was, I think on Halloween that I think the next day was November 1st, maybe it was the next week. And I, I did a quick song opening for that with on someone else's set, but that was like the, the last shows we did for years. No shit. Fucking Warren G, huh? Did you get to meet him? No, I didn't. Because I was one of those people who, like, I was never, like, um, like I, I never liked meeting people that I was into. For some reason, I was always just kind of, like, I like the experience of being there. But meeting them nine times out of ten, like, kind of took something away it. from it for me. Heard, heard, heard. Um, Yeah. I and also actually, because I think back then I didn't know what to say. So if it was someone that I actually had something to say to was one thing. But if it's, like, I don't know, like what if i had something that i thought was worth saying i probably would have but because i opened for onyx too i'm like i don't know what am i gonna say to onyx like what sticky fingers right. i don't want to hear from me <laughs> like, right right right, right. Like, I get blade it. I get was great <laughs> you know Fact. the black vagina finder yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that tape got me in so much trouble when i was a kid bro oh, oh my god um yeah so I got to know DJ Paul of Three Six Mafia, who was like one of my favorites as well. Like it's like Snoop and every from everyone from like that family, like the Dog Pound, like all that. And then take it to Memphis and New Orleans, bro. And it's my second favorite. You know what I mean? Like, or they're very interchangeable. Like Memphis music to me is like huge. Like A Ball MJG as well. You know what I mean? And yeah. bro, like Kia Shine, like I could go on and on. Like there's a lot of Tennessee artist, Young Buck as well. Yeah. Like, I I really love the soul that comes out of Tennessee music, and like the, the it's just like some kind of different sound and and bounce that that really like. So here's like what it's like to be me from here. It's like, all right, you like these rappers. All my friends were telling me that they're not real lyricists. I'm like, but. They make great songs. Yeah, I'm like I went through that too, me. and I finally came back around and realized that I was wrong about a lot of them. You feel me? Like my yeah. buddy Jack would always be like, "All right, Sean, you like dope artists, but like they don't, they can't rap as good as like Big L." I'm like, but that's not why I'm trying to listen to them right now. Like I like Snoop's energy. I like Corrupt's wordplay. You know what I mean? Like if I want to hear an MC rapping, I'll put on some Corrupt. But I know that I won't have to listen to that for too long because Daz is gonna come in and flip it up with some 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 funk. You feel me? Like yeah. I like music integration as much as I like to the rapping. So like when Dr. Dre took Parliament Funkadelic and started flipping the shit, bro. Back in the day, I thought Dr. Dre was the man creating every sound I heard. Right. It wasn't I like didn't know what sampling was. Yeah. Yeah. At all when I was 10, when the chronic came out. But now I even have like more of an appreciation for it because I'm like, to take something like what they took and flip it into what they did and make it have such a lasting imprint, it really gave new life to the music that they took from. Yeah. Because especially, par I mean, Parliament, like, if even if you'd never heard a Parliament album, if you listen to hip hop, you've heard pretty much every Parliament song. Like, exactly exactly like these old heads that i've been working with sometimes they're like oh i don't know if you ever heard of george clinton i'm like bro of course yeah <laughs> what? i saw george clinton land the mothership at, at smoking grooves at great woods years ago oh. like i was wearing the front bro. pit like cypress hill and them and like fuji's and crap Puck west was fucking awesome how was that bro it was, it was funny so my what happened was my 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 mom got my dad what she thought were bob seeger tickets because it's called smoking grooves and they realized the day of what it actually was and they just gave the tickets to me <laughs> 
and it was Fuji's Tribe Call Quest, Cypress Hill, Ziggy Marley, all these people. And the next year I bought like pit passes so I can go up front. And that's when Cypress Hill again and um, George Clinton was there. But it was fucking amazing. Like to see the Fuji's and Tribe Call Quest. And I think Erica Badu and Foxy Brown were both there that day too. And someone else. It was an insane crowd. And Busta was there with Tribe. It was This was maybe like 97, 98. It was a long fucking time. Ooh, oh, it was still called Great Woods. It's more nostalgic than that, bro. Like, that's like full, fully immersed. Like, yeah. you might as well have brought the Source magazine to life, bro. Know. You know what I mean? Like, Murder Dog magazine. <laughs> yeah. Did you ever get Murder Dog, bro? Yeah, yeah. I remember. The I don't know what happened to that shit, but that's I how know. I found out about a lot of obscure rappers. Like, Mac Dre. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, I would have heard about Mac Dre if it wasn't for double for Murder Dog magazine. Yeah. And, like, I remember writing, like, on my book covers and graffiti, like, Soldier Slim. Like, I just love the way Soldier Slim sounded. And I'm like, there's no way Soldier Slim's going to come up out of no limit. And then, before you know it, bro, he had slow motion with Juvenile, like, six years later. And, you know, he his life got cut too short. But yeah. that was something I didn't see coming. I always thought Soldier Slim was just going to be giving it to him raw, like, and never, like, pop mainstream because of how raw he was, bro. And then he comes out with a cash money artist and has a friggin' number one hit. And I'm like, I can still bump slow motion, but people still don't give Soldier Slim respect. Like, that motherfucker got hit in front of his grandmother's house on the back of the head with a bullet while he was rolling on ecstasy, bro. Like, what a way to go. Like, yeah. Jesus. Yeah. Like, like, for me... The, the impact rap has had on my life is kind of crazy, bro. And and hip hop as a whole and, and wrestling. Like, and I'm just blessed to be able to like live realms that I live in, which is making rap songs, beats, videos for rappers that I grew up listening to, for rappers that grew up listening to rap that want to rap now, um, and doing videos for wrestling companies or filming for wrestling companies doing photography for wrestling companies and the funny thing is is that like i don't know if i consciously fully did these things you know what i mean right like, i always wanted to do these things but it's like they kind of half found me as well and it's like when they bumped into me on the road it's like when that's when we joined up and now yeah. i have like, you were ready for it. You know, you, you were mentally yeah, prepared. Had these two partners with me now, like rap and wrestling. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I always find it interesting that rap, wrestling, and I think comic books is sort of the third leg of that, where they sort of all appeal to the same people. And I think, I think they're sort of, they're about trying to create a bigger version of yourself, uh, be, taking your insecurities and turning them into your strengths, is I think is what it's about, you know, making yourself head. larger. Yeah. Hit it on the head, bro. Because you always know in your body and your mind and your soul that you are larger. You're right. in a small town. You feel like you're looking up to these big stars and you're like, that. there's nothing about that person that I don't have. You know what I mean? And like, you, you're looking at it and you want to be that. And you know, yeah. now we have the internet and it's like kind of a mind fuck, bro, because you can get famous in two seconds. But if you don't have any catalog to back that up, right? what's up with that fame? It goes away really quickly. Right. But if you're, you're yeah. Like you said, like I was ready for when the wrestling wave came and for when the rap shit came around. Like I was always grinding at the rap shit. Like me and Lewis were in the same rap group in 2005. Like Lewis Bell, uh, Post Malone's like writer. You know what I mean? Oh, like, shit. Cool. We were the good rappers, bro. Like that was me, him, and Anthony Bradley. This kid, uh, bro, Lewis turned in. We always knew he was special, but yeah. like we didn't know he was going to break the records, bro. Um, or yeah. do what he's done in the industry. 
um okay. yeah man i have to send you some old tracks bro like from like oh five they still stand because lou's engineering was like so good like the mixes just stand to the well, time speaking yeah. of which you're talking about lou balls right yeah okay so you i i was so I posted this track about a month ago. Oh, <laughs> yeah, that's where we're at. Yes, sir. Yeah. So, like, let's get into this. So, like, I posted the song Scams that Mike Monarchy did years ago. I'll give you the history of how we ended up in that beat, and you can tell your side of this. So, um, and this is a song that we had recorded over a different beat that I think our friend Holbrook made, but it was very much, it was, it was really ripped from a video game. It didn't have a lot of bass and didn't work very well. And then we had also done another song over a beat that Piro had did. And then eventually we found out that he didn't, he had, he had wanted to use it. And we were like, it was like, we kind of got a little overzealous and used it. So we kind of went back and Pillsy's like, well, I got a bunch of Lou Balls beats. He says that we can use them. And that's all I ever know about that. And then we recorded wow. a bunch of stuff and started performing it. And Scams was sort of the song that people liked the most. But it was even back then, there was a couple other songs that we performed. Other people I didn't know would be like, yo, that's my beat. And so it's like, this is like the no. second or third time this has happened with the Lou Balls. And that might, I I've never met him before in my life. I don't even know what he looks Thanks like. Thanks to Pillsy, huh? That's hilarious. I, that's, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure it was Pillsy who gave. And like there, there have been a few issues back then where I was so happy somebody was giving me a beat CD. I assumed if it was given to me, we could use everything. But I found Absolutely. out that I was Especially definitely stepping on some toes. <laughs> like, well, you don't find out until ten years later. You know what I mean? Right. Like, yeah. I heard, bro. The funny part about it was I heard that, and I had just came up on like i had to come up like i had found a batch of files with all those old songs so i was just able to re-listen to all my old shit just before your thing came out like with that same beat and if i'm not mistaken it was track 14 off of the dirty south shore album that luke produced entirely and like seven of those songs were remakes of songs we originally made in my basement and lou would come over and charge us a cup of mcdonald's coffee for an eight-hour session cup of small mcdonald's coffee it was 99 cents and he'd just want that and he'd stay till seven in the morning i think we and, know why he's successful <laughs> like a everybody is jumping on his beats even though they don't even know him when they hear it they're like yoink and then he's oh, doing I shit like that. that it's like i need know. that i need that east coast dr dre whoever this is bro like yeah. exactly and also the other way i knew he was gonna be big i just didn't know how big was that he refused to get a driver's license and he refused to get into a relationship he's like these two things are gonna distract me from my goals he's like when i get to where i want to be i'll worry about it then and now he's living in beverly hills on top of the hills you know what i mean yeah you know it's crazy like go get it bro you you've written uh, number one song after number one song you've engineered number one song after number one song you know, and he's just a special person, bro. Like he graduated Thayer Academy, which is like a private school, like a special school, like for yeah. smart people two years early. Like, not just one year, two years. I graduated uh, BU one year early and now I, I, I feel like I can't <laughs> brag about that anymore. <laughs> you know, I just did. No, that's still brag worthy, my brother. That's still graduating. Anything is brag worthy, but graduating early. Come on, bro. Shout out to you. Bro. Well, what I'm really bragging about is the money I saved. Not that I'm that's it was basically I was I was mature enough to make a decision that would save me money rather than stick around and, and spend a lot of money to get drunk. So that's the only thing I'll take credit for. And now look at you, bro. You got a nice little spot. You got your collection. See, one thing about me is like I didn't get to keep the house that I grew up in. I didn't get to keep any of the things I collected when I was a kid. Like my whole, all my collections like got lost and storage. Oh, I got lucky. Yeah. My parents didn't throw anything away. I got my old man back recently, actually. Really? So yeah, like, yeah, my family had to go through some shit back in the day, all that. Like we lost my storage unit, but 
I never lost my family. So I'm cool. You feel yeah. me? At the yep. same time, like I do wish at points like I could still reference certain things and post them nowadays and be like, oh, look at this picture of me and Master P with my Master P sneakers, my No Limit Tank and my Master P t-shirt. And he didn't give a damn. You know what I mean? <laughs> I thought I was dripping, bro. He could care less. I'm like, look at how much money I spent on you, bro. He's like, yeah, keep doing it. Yeah, yeah, I know. That those are the type of encounters where I'm just like, all right, cool. You I remember I met know. the guy from Everclear once, and he was, and it was the same night that Drew Bledsoe jumped off the stage of the show at the Paradise, and I believe seriously <laughs> injured a woman. It was before that though, in the night, and like, cause I was just saw him on the side of the street, cause I was living right around the corner from the Paradise, and he was, he was a dick. So I was like, oh, yeah. man. I was I a huge it. fan of them back then, but yeah. And again, I was probably an obnoxious kid. I was like 19, so you know, I probably wasn't the best version of me. Right, right, right. Looking back, it's tough to be like, oh, imagine if I had handled this correctly or if I wasn't if I was the me I am today back then. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Like when Gangsta Boo fucking invited me to our house for a New Year's Eve party, like I was already back in Boston because both of my cameras had got stolen and I was just in a bad spot. Like we were we were talking for like 10 years, bro. And then like a few years passed, we didn't speak. And I was in California for a few months. We rekindled our talking. And then like in December of like 2018, she sent me a message on Instagram and she was like, hey, what you doing on New Year's Eve, uh, like next week? And I had just flown back to Boston because the place I was staying in, I didn't know it was Dublin as a trap spot. And I woke up one morning and my homie was in the same room and like this random dude was in here wearing downtown LA. He's like, what the fuck y'all doing here? We had to get up and I was like 7 a.m. Sunday morning, bro. I had stashed my backpack, which I always keep a backpack. It's my camera. Everything is in there. So that was in the laundry like closet in this apartment that I had no problem staying in for the last week or two. Like there was no issues. And then like this one random morning. They're like, get out, get out. So I didn't I had just woke up. I didn't want to question nothing. I'm like, all right, I'm out of here. I don't want no trouble. Like, I don't know who you want, but I know I'm not paying to live here this is definitely right. not my spot i don't have say it's so not the gonna... hill i plan on dying on <laughs> correct so y'all can have that so I, I walked out and i walked back and i'm like fuck i love i love my bag so i go real quick like not looking for issues i'm like yo real quick let me just grab one thing they didn't answer the door and then like eventually they like were in there they had say they let someone else in 45 minutes later like a couple of their homies went in and knocked and they just opened the door right away let them in i'm like oh it's that kind of party i said all right yeah, my bro. Yeah. I was on back then. We're all in the bag. Every terabyte uh, oh, thing tough. I had gone. So I had to fly back to Boston without an ID. And then I got that text from Gangsta Boo like a week later. Oh, and I'm like, bro, I could have had my camera and been a Gangsta Boo's crib right now if I didn't sleep. You know, you can't change. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. What yeah. Is. Everything. And then it's like then the flip side. Um, Seth MacFarlane had an airplane ticket for the for one of the flights on 9/11 and missed his flight. So it's like there's, it, yeah. You know, it, it 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 cuts both ways. You know. Yeah. Everything happens for a reason, and that's why I never stay upset about things that could have gone differently that I wish may have at the moment they had because you know hindsight. Oh is yeah, and and that what you're mentioning there is a sign of like self awareness and maturity too. You're just like there'll be another like it's like there will be good days and there'll be bad days. I remember I read this thing in uh, I think it was a Dalai Lama's book when I was a kid, and it was talking about how they looked at people who found out that they had a terminal illness versus people who found out that they had just won the lottery, and they found that after the initial shock of both of them wore off, both groups of people found that they returned to their same level of happiness they had all along, and that's. 
And it's like that you can, obviously there are ways you can prove your happiness. I mean, I, I know I have, but it doesn't come from these things like this that we may think it does. You know, it comes from actual like, real human contact and, you know. I like the way you think, bro. I'm glad that we were able to do this. And I'm sorry that my my shit looks like shit right now. Whatever, um, don't worry about it. No, I do worry about it because I want to promote this shit and I want it to look good and everything like that. Um, but we'll do it again. You can have it looking better sometime. We'll, we, I mean, it's yeah, like, yeah. Now I know what the deal is, bro. I have this shit absolutely set up. This was a busy week. I had family in town for the last week. They threw me like a birthday party, like a month and a half early. Oh, nice. Happy. Oh, is, what, are you, <laughs> is it, did I see that you're turning 40? Hey, allegedly, yeah, man. Allegedly, yeah, bro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's I'm the, already, I'm already there. I'm, I'm, I'm pushing 45. So like, it's. Uh, God bless you, bro. Wow. Thanks. Where's the fountain of youth at, dog? <laughs> <laughs> Holy moly! Yeah. See, that's the thing about about getting older is that like, bro, it's really not getting older. Like you're just getting wiser. It's really, I honestly, I've never been happier in my life. Never been in better health in my life. It's um. Look great, bro. You look very healthy. You look very happy. It. Yeah, you know, it's, it's funny, exactly. like, um, when you get to the age that we're sort of at now, you really start seeing people's life decisions because, you know, 80 looks the same on pretty much everybody and 19 looks the same pretty much everybody. But 40 to 50 looks very different on different people, depending on how they've kind of lived their lives, you know? Facts. Good way to put it, dude. You're absolutely right. Now, me, myself, I unfortunately have 10 years of my life that I can't replace that I fucked up and made bad decisions on. But I, I got a little bit of that too. <laughs> bro, I'm lucky to be here, you know, but at the same time, I think about it. Like, I also think that that preserved me a little bit. I, I, I feel like it preserved me. Like I was filming a music video last, like two weeks ago uh, for myself and my homie, Lil Frosty. And I had my boy, Jason out here with the camera. We we're just at the basketball courts down the street. And we were like, just doing some camera tricks with the basketball, like passing shit, yeah. you know what I mean? And, there was a couple of kids playing ball, bro. And it was like a whole full court game, really. And I was like, hey, you guys, I'm like, um, there was this one kid who was like lit with the shit. I'm like, you can dunk. You like the leader of the whole clique. I'm like, let me talk to you. He's like, oh, what's y'all filming a video, man? And we're like, I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Talk about it, whatever, real quick. He's like, yeah, man, I'm in the industry too, man. You know, I'm like, <laughs> are we all? Okay, let's calm down a little bit. Reel yeah. it back. But, uh, so he, I was like, listen, bro, can you guys change your location so you guys can switch your whole game to that court, to this court, to where we're filming and just like have the game going on behind us while we're rapping. And he did that, but he was like, all right, man, but wait a minute, how old are you, bro? I'm like, wait, you got to guess, bro. And I don't know if he was being nice or not, bro, bro. But he was like 29. I was like, I'll, I'll take it. You have that, bro. I'm going to let you have that. <laughs> I'm going to tell you my real age, but yeah, 40, bro. 40 yeah. August 29th. Me and Michael Jackson share the same birthday. That's okay. Me and Saddam Hussein share the same birthday. <laughs> hey, shout out Saddam, dog. I got Saddam, Jay Leno, and um, actually, you're a good person to ask this question, too. I was working on this theory the other day. Do you ever watch stuff like Leno and Letterman when you were younger? Yeah. All right. So to me, I was thinking about how WWE is really like the Tonight Show and AEW is really like like Letterman because Letterman was always like a parody of the Tonight Show because it was like a parody of a talk show. And, and like you have WWE, which is obviously the standard in production. It's you know, it's everything is great, but there's a lot of corny shit on it. Like the shush stuff always makes me change the channel. Mm. And it's and they really stuck that if they go outside this bubble, they, they're not really going to survive with a mainstream audience. So they have the secondary product like AEW that basically can't do the same thing as WWE because there's room for 
with them. So they almost have to be a parody of what WWE does. Where it's like, like Orange Cassidy and Danhausen are some of my favorite characters, but they're almost like a par- like a, like a copy of a copy or a parody. You don't get them directly from Hulk Hogan. You have to like have generations of stuff for the irony to catch up. I guess so. I don't know. That was sure. my theory. Oh, no, no, that makes a lot of sense. Um, and you know, speaking of like things that make you change the channel, like. A lot of things on AEW have maybe changed the channel, like, but a lot of things that AEW does, like, even when they're not filming, like, just, uh, just like last week, they posted something on like Pro Wrestling World or some Facebook wrestling group where it was like post show AEW like three years ago, and it was like Aubrey Edwards, Tony Khan, QT Anderson, and like Sean Spears, and Tony Khan gave Sean Spears a Stone Cold Stunner. And Aubrey Edwards is like, ooh, dude, she's like overselling the hell out of it. And I'm like, this right here is why I can't, I just can't. I can't relate to the current current day product in this yeah. sense. It's and too, it's, it's too much commenting on itself to some degree. People are too like excited. you said, it's exactly a mirror of the WWE. Like you have this guy's company's boss giving a stone cold stunner to one of the healed heel wrestlers. And like you have the talent like hyping it because you know it's not a real storyline. So you have to try and sell like it's important. Yeah. And that's what Aubrey Edwards is best at is trying to sell unimportant shit. And I just can't, I can't. Um, the thing about that is like, you know, we're blessed to have two places where wrestlers can go to work and can showcase their talents on a national television series, but there needs to be some type of like rules and regulations. And that's where WWE may have too many in place and where AEW may not have enough in place. So to find that middle ground is like where we'll find, you know, beauty. And that's why I think like, all right, we have like Raw, we have SmackDown. We have two very different shows. One is three hours long. If Raw was two hours long, we wouldn't hear as many complaints about raw yeah but because they have to overexpose and then put on people like nikki ash like bro i'm sorry i don't I know there's ad dollars or you have to get those skittles checks but like we right. don't need to see all this nonsense or the mountain dew like match with la night oh like my Long god road. can you imagine i mean we have like, barely seen ray wyatt since and la night is like i i that was that was so stupid i was <laughs> so, so surprised because after the raw triple H was been pulling his fucking hair out backstage kidding me man like after the, the fuck signed this deal cell, remember they had the hell in the cell with the all yes. red lighting i'm like how after they saw the feedback from that show like four years ago they're going to come back in 2023 and do something just worse the fans wanted Bray, and I. It's, I guess we have to. The only thing about the situation, him. though, is that like, a does this mean that Vince McMahon had a better instinct about Bray Wyatt than we thought that he did? Because like he got rid of him, and we we got him back, and it wasn't better. Or I have no. also have heard rumors that there's something personal going on with Bray, and that's why he hasn't been back. But when he was here, it wasn't really setting the world on fire. As far as I'm when he made his initial return, I was excited. Yeah, when I did the thing with her cutting the camera, that was really cool. Uh, random weirdos in the crowd and stuff. With yep, the yep. that was all, was all really on. well done. I was like, what a way to end a show or whatever, wherever the Then the egg hatch and the gobbledygooker came out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, dude, basically. I was just like, this, this isn't going to go anywhere because now it's been week after week and I see the same thing. And now it's like, Bray Wyatt's more human too, like when he started to talk more and then it started to just go nowhere. 
And I'm like, I, maybe this is where you said, like, Vince McMahon saw the writing on the wall, kind of like when Cody left AEW, he yeah. saw the writing on the wall. Yeah. Um, God, what a move he made, bro. That was time. Oh, my God. Like, he definitely – and he mentioned in the interview the other day, he said – the reason why I left was something personal that I'll never talk about, which really can get you speculating. And then mm-hmm. the end, he's like, "What the what the final decision was?" But like, I'll tell you, man, it's like it's that executive VP position essentially meant nothing as soon as Cody Rhodes left because he was the only one it seemed like who was taking it seriously. You know, absolutely. the The quality of the show was like you have you have so many hours of television to fill a week, and you have no way of really booking storylines you're booking matches with like internet darlings from overseas and stuff you're making a very small niche part of the audience very happy but the rest of them you're leaving out in the dark and you're giving them a bad taste in their mouth like bullet club gold or whatever the hell they're called now bro like what do they do what's their gimmick like i don't even know nwo ripoff bullet club ripoff i know I'm I just not. have to hope that those two guys are single stars. And I think they haven't buried them yet. I'm hoping that they're just slowly introducing them because those should be big stars. Like, I mean, they're at least putting them in a prominent role. They're having good matches and being treated like stars. But those two should be superstars. Like Jay White and Juice Robinson. Juice. See, I'm not a big fan of Juice. I love but... Juice to me reminds me of an old school, like Rick Rude type dude with like the flashy tights and just has, he's just crazy. Like he's just like, he's he unique is. looking and like, you know. I get, I can get that. I just wish I could hear him. So I, I want to see some character. Yeah, that's a good point. I haven't seen much of him in the market. I don't know much about him. I don't, I've not really heard him talk. I've seen amazing matches, but there's not much story behind those matches to get me invested in why I should care to watch them. And that's the thing with AEW to me is like Tony's putting on all these five-star match shows, but what's the point of the the matches that they're having when there's not storylines except for, Oh, it's a dream matchup. Like that's cool. Like I said, for a small niche audience, but you are putting on the show to a national television audience, bro, you can, you're in the homes of millions and millions of potential people, but only hundreds and hundreds of thousands are watching. Right. And so, I'm a big fan of wrestling, obviously, but a lot of the Japanese guys that bring out, I don't know at all. Like, I, it's like I know either. some of them, but like I, None I don't. Of us do. Right, None I didn't know who do. Will Osprey was until they brought put him on my screen, and obviously he's pretty impressive. But they didn't do a great job of telling me ahead of time, which would, would have been nice. I read about Osprey beforehand. I read about his matches and stuff, but I only saw how he put on incredible matches, not how he was selling out arenas, right. not how like he was, you know, like the next big thing yeah. to come and the next big thing to come i think we already have here i think gunther is huge gunther oh, is going to yeah. be something big um because he might if it's not cody it's got to be him to take it off roman and if it's roman point, holds yeah. it to rest who else is in place to do it the only like, other person is really jay jay uso i think he's, he's they're he's, doing that at SummerSlam. Already. oh that's a good point yeah so and it's like it's like because i think it I, I it's like they're still probably debating whether the rock's going to be there next year which i it's like it feels like every year that doesn't happen it's never it going to happen i always thought the first time i heard about it like with the rock i was like if they do it they should do it at 40 i don't know why yeah, it makes sense yeah and that's what I'm like, bring it back. 40. But The Rock's not going to beat him. So it's not like The Rock's going to take the, the title. So The Rock's going to be there to put him over, if anything. Right. If he, The Rock beat Roman. The Rock's going to be there to not get injured like he did with like the, tearing his pack in the scene of match. He's going to be there to just do the job and put over his family, you know. But 
even if he just goes there to talk and throw yeah. a rock bottom or people's elbow around, it'll be just as effective. I mean, not just as effective as like, you know, promoting a match with the rock for months and then like generating all that income and revenue. But like the fact that like the bloodline storyline has so many greats involved in it just kind of encompasses all professional wrestling where like all wrestling purists kind of have to care about what's going on here because it's, you got the Samoans, like Yoko's yeah. Rikishi. The like long history of even Polly Dangerously with the Samoans, the wild Samoans back in like the, the, like the Starcade days. Totally forgot about that. And those are some of my favorite, like, the, like I love to watch old WCW for some reason. And like 91, okay. 92 WCW is like, so such an untouched gem to me. I, I love it. And you see how, like, how much wrestling has changed. Like you said, like Tupac was only on death row for that short amount of time. Back then, time meant more. Right. Like now, three years has gone by and it feels like three months. Right. Yeah. You know, it's, so it's like with all the wrestling we have on TV now, like there's no way for wrestling to even, you're giving us too much. Like there's too much to choose from. And if I miss wrestling one week, it's not like I'm scared because I missed out on something huge anymore. I Back never watch full shows. I mean, I will watch them while I'm working out and I fast forward the stuff. I mean, I watch most of Collision. That's the one that I'll watch all of now because like it's collision. new and fresh and I, I like having punk back. But like commentary is done well too on that. Yeah, show. it is. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I saw it until somebody really pointed out to me how annoying Excalibur was. I didn't really realize it. Now I can't not hear it. Yeah. And Tony Schiavone and Jim Ross like KLS anymore. Right. Oh, Schiavone, Jim Ross, I think, has some help. I don't, I think he's, I think he's pretty much done. He seems to have some sort of help. He's problem. been checked out, bro. He's, well, yeah. He like fell. He like hurt himself. He had a black guy. I love uh, Taz. Taz to me is great, but I'm hearing rumors of Hook going back to w, going to WWE. And I wonder if, if that happens, if Taz ends up there too. You know, I heard about that rumor and then I heard it got shut right down. Oh, but like, okay. Because I love Hook. So me too. I think Hook needs more time in AEW to like just refine who he is as yeah. a character. He's still very young, bro. But he's um, a superstar in the making, though. He superstar. is like it's like you think of when people looked at what Randy or Randy Orton was when he was hook stage, and then realize that Hook doesn't have the attitude problems that Randy has, or doesn't seem like it. He he right. it's like he seems to be he's hungry for what yeah. the goal is. Yes. Right. And Not it's like, and I and I would say Taz is probably a more hands-on trainer than than Bob Orton Senior probably was. He's like Randy. Is that he was a cast to hit somebody? That's end of lesson, you know. Yeah, and 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 the Ortons Senior are like distracted by all the women at the bar and like all the ring rats. Do you know what I mean? Taz is married. Taz don't give a damn about anything else about what his kid is doing. So like the focus, yeah. the mentality of 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 what it means to be a. a fucking son of taz the human suplex machine bro yeah. like hook knows what it is you're from red hook your name is hook you have action bronson doing that his theme great. music dude. i love it i action love his music i love bro, the way it hits in the beginning too, bro and then when action got in the ring did you yeah. watch that? yeah i was like i was impressed almost more impressed than bad money bro i was like yeah. wow both of y'all getting it in fucking bad i'm like money. you guys are making it look too easy you're making me feel like i should be in the ring now though i know like, if Action Bronson can put on a viable TV match without botching, I can. I well, like go I back and watch when Kevin Federline was on WWE Raw, and then then Britney Spears announced his separation like the next day. So it's like it doesn't always go well. Oh yes, I forgot about that. 
I think I feel, Morrison might have given him a shooting star or something. Oh yeah, it was definitely like it was it was near the oh that that era where they had the guest host was so funny because I remember they had the cast of the A team on with had Bradley Cooper, but he had become a really big star by then, and he made the shortest contractual appearance ever. He basically came out, waved, and like fucked away. He's like, I'm not doing it. Was this so here. awkward. I remember. Yeah, I remember that. That was like an awkward phase for WWE, like the get the celebrity guest guest host era. Yeah. Very, very weird. Like Bob Barker came on. That was yeah. one of the best ones, too. That was literally. And he had Jeremy been- Piven who kept saying Summerfest instead of SummerSlam. <laughs> yes. Oh, my God. Yeah. That was almost as bad as uh, the guy that was there for Mike Adamley. Mike Adamley, R.I.P. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Forgot about that. Yeah, he was. I just saw him. Bunch- I was watching a bunch of American Gladiator documentaries, and he was. that's where he got his start, I think, was on American Gladiators. Speaking of that, I miss R- Mauro Ranallo. I don't know that uh, name. Mauro Ronaldo came in and did uh, commentary in WWE briefly before he left. He was like the new guy. Everyone loved him. Oh, froze up a little bit. Is this my internet or is this his internet? I'm back. Sorry. You good, bro? My internet dropped. <laughs> you good? We've been there for like probably a little longer than an hour. Yeah, we probably can cut out. We probably wrap up momentarily. But um, let's just uh, let's just give some plugs and and say what you're working on now. I did mention one thing I wanted to ask you before though. Good Burger too. Um, we oh, haven't even got into Hush. Who that's probably I don't know how you know him. I met him years ago because I was part of Project Mayhem. His whole crew, and that dude at. I'm when we were in that crew, he was like 15, I was 27. I was like, this kid is way better than me. And he probably still is. <laughs> he definitely still is to this day. I'll give him that. But like he works harder. Uh he, than he worked man. hard back then. He works hard now, you know. The reason I that I was uh attracted to working with Hush was because when I was working late nights, I was working like overnights at at some place like 2015, right? And I would be on my phone at like three, four in the morning on my overnight shifts. And you know how on your Facebook messenger, it'd tell you who was active at that time. Yeah. The only person consistently up all night was Hush. And I don't I'm like, fuck that kid sleeps. <laughs> bro. So I'm like, is this kid working? Like, what is he doing? Like, so I, I get a hold of him. Like we would, we, we knew each other through like Maroney, like briefly. And then like, I went to a couple of my shows randomly. Turns out we both knew a lot of the same people, but then I did like a, uh, how I met him like formally. I went to his house like 2012 with Maroney when Knox Beach was there, like randomly, like, and that wasn't like because of Hush. Yeah. But then like four or five years later, I was doing the Sober Society Showcase speech for Mike Smith, Lone Wolf Entertainment out of Brockton. And I, I did a speech, uh, talked about like my my tribulations and my drug use back in the day and my recovery and what it took to get from one side to the other. And congratulations I, for making that. I, it's that's you know worth it's definitely admirable. Shit's crazy, bro. I never thought you know that would be me, but here I am. I appreciate yep. you um so i spoke hush came up to me after and he's like oh man i never knew that that was you like and my father went through the same stuff he's like let's you know basically like he felt something off my speech and like we connected off of that 
And then before you know it, I'm doing like a no muzzle cipher. And then like before you know it, me and him and Sando Films are shooting videos for Daylight, freaking Battle Rap Daylight. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, Sando's uh, name comes up all the time. I I'm not I never met him before, but I he's probably like the fifth or sixth person to mention his name on this podcast. Like I think we're friends on Instagram. I have to reach out to him too. But Sando's a good dude, man. Great camera guy, very uh solid dude. Used to be a b boy, um. So like his whole shit is like rooted in breakdance. Sweet. So like Sando, I was uh at like one of the hush shows in Quincy. He's and I had just got a camera. I liked to take pictures. I grabbed like a Canon EOS, like one of them 700 odd joints. Yeah. And I was just taking pictures and Sando saw me taking pictures and he was like, oh, you got the eye broke. But he's like, you could be making a lot of money if you start using that camera to shoot videos with it. And I'm like, wait a minute, I can shoot videos with this thing. So I fucking next thing, like two months later, bro, like I'm at Hush's like every night, like grinding on Adobe Premiere, like all summer. Like I brought my computer to his house and put it right next to his and like just literally learned Adobe Premiere. Like yeah. I I had to do that. Um and Hush is someone who has no problem sitting in front of a, a machine and learning that software from inside and like my experience with him over the years. Himself. Like yeah. I really have questions like because he's he's always on to the next he's always one step ahead of everybody yeah. else. I just did a song with me, him and copyright last year and he he was he mixed it for us and like and like he kept I think I've heard like, that. I th- I thought it was done, but he kept giving me better and better versions. And I was like, yeah, yeah. he'll hear one thing and be like, oh, no, that's yeah. like mix number three. I'll send you mix four and five. Like, five. I appreciate that. I'm a little like that, too, with my things. And I'm just like, you're only you only have one chance to get this right. So you got to list, you know, but yeah, he he's uh, he's very gifted in the technological fields where it's like if everything wasn't digital and everything was physical, his studio in his bedroom would be as big and as bad as any official music studio in the world. But the difference is all of his are digital and they're inside his computer. Every plugin, every, every, every VST, like literally everything that you have, like Pro Tools, friggin' Melodyne, Auto-Tune, like you go up and down the list with the Apollo Twin, with the the friggin', the whole setup, bro, is you're going to get a very, in his knowledge, he doesn't let himself put anything out that's subpar and anything that he puts his name and attaches his name to is never going to have any subparness to it. It's always going to have a certain standard of quality. And that's why I fuck with him because like I said, when I was working that late night job, he'd be the only one up. And I'm like, he's grinding on music this whole time. I'm like, wait a minute. Lou was the only person I knew to grind it like this hard. And I need to be around this motherfucker so I can, work just as hard because when Lou left, like I, I was like a chicken with my head cut off for a little while. Yeah. And I'm like, you know, and I needed somebody to bounce these ideas off of and somebody that could flow with me, you know what I mean? And work with and Hush is that guy, bro. And so yeah. shout out to Hush. We have a lot of work coming out. As for projects coming out right now, I'm working on one wrestling video for Teddy Goods and his promotion called Live Pro Wrestling. Um, it's just like kind of a compilation video uh, with some sound design and some special effects implemented there, like unique wrestling videos that like now Teddy kind of reaches out to me for because he's seen some work that I've done for other companies in the past. Like, and I don't know, my editing style is unique. He's a big fan of it. So he asked asked me to film and edit uh, a show recap. I'm working on that for a little while. And then, you know, Easty from uh, ENF? I don't think so. 
Cabrera, um, Dave Eastman, AKE. AKA oh, that sounds familiar. Eastie the Muscle. Uh, yeah, he used to rap with like Chuck D's and Have Notters and shit okay. like that. Um, and Tootie and shit like that. Um, he had a solo track um, that I filmed on 4th of July video for. Bro, the fireworks, the barbecue, like the whole neighborhood, we shut the shit down. Like, kind of people were nervous that night. Like, everybody in the neighborhood was out, but everybody in the neighborhood was out. Right. So I'm like, hey, have your aunt, have your aunt park her star, have your aunt park her car in the middle of the street, bro, and have her shine the lights. We're going to light you up. Don't worry about any other cars coming. If any other cars come, they're going to either be curious to what's going on. Right. It's the night you can get away with stuff, sort of, because it's yeah. like the other people trying to get away with worse stuff. <laughs> we had like 30 people in the shot, bro. Like everything went awesome. And then we went filmed a little more a couple of days later. And then me and my boy, Lil Frosty, got a video called uh, called 22s that we have coming out that I'm working on, too. And uh Right, a lot of videos like uh, Red Eye from Logan. There's a video that me and Hush are working on. I'm actually gonna be finishing filming that at Cold February. That studio up there, uh, where they have like all the video sets up there. Like they got like the airplane built like set. Oh, sick! Like, bro, this shit's crazy. It's, it's like fairly priced too. I forget exactly what town it's in, but Cold February. It's I'll like a, it's like a, uh, just like a studio setup where they have multiple different sets. Um, so I'm going to go finish that video over there. Shout out Cold February. And uh, yeah, man, I got, a, I got a lot. Let me ask you about one more thing, actually. Um, Good Burger too. I saw a picture of you and Hush on set with Keenan Thompson. Yes, um, what I think I saw something about Hush saying that he he was in it. Then he got cut out. Then he was back in it. Like, what, what's the story? Oh, with we in that bitch for sure now, bro. We yes. in that bitch for sure now. Um, so there was like a couple of days of filming. And on the first day of filming... Hush and I had like separate days for our first day of filming. And uh, so on the first day of filming, I was like an international um, good burger customer. And so like, I'm not really here to give away the script, but oh, yeah, yeah. international good burger customer, like there was good burgers in multiple countries and they had multiple like settings for those good burgers. Like, you know, a British one, a mm -hmm. Mexican one or whatever, Asian one. And they had me in every one of those scenes. They had like a bunch of shit going on where like the camera was right there and I may or may not be in those scenes. But then on the second day of shooting, me, Hush, and Los Fidel all got called on the same day. So that was the day that uh, we definitely got on camera. Sweet. So for like the climax of the movie too, I feel like too. Um, so there's definitely like a concert scene in that movie that you guys got to look out for. And you see me, Lois Fidel, Hush Harding, all up in that bitch, bro. Because they, you know we were, I'll go for it. Yeah. No, they filmed this. That was the last day of filming. Okay. So they, um, they finished shooting before the strike ended. So, the, so this probably won't be held up. But no, there was second, not editing in post production. The now, first probably. day that I did my shooting, they had strikers out front. There were strikers, writers, strikers out front of, uh new england institute of technology where we did yeah. the first day and then uh we did it in like right in south so like the city of providence at the strand the second time we did Grand, the right across from lupo or maybe it is what lupos used to be or whatever yeah yeah yeah, yeah. bro i saw icp at lupos oh did lucifer when it was when it was the place where you go in and it was long and you can go up to like the top yeah, yeah, yeah i remember it, seeing like know. g love there back in the day like a bunch oh, of times wow. <laughs> i was like g love there like I, 10 times and like dj you remember, Keogh, 
Do you remember this dude named Mighty Casey? That sounds so familiar. He had this song, White Girls Going Through Mom, instead of White Lines. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, Something like it was it's White Girls from the White Girls soundtrack. Bro, this dude, Mighty Casey, was from like uh, Bridge, like, like Cambridge, I think. And I could be wrong on the town, but like he had a CD in Newberry Comics that I was able to buy before I even knew he was from around here because I heard his song on 88.9. And oh, then I saw the also gets talked about a lot as 88.9, man. And I miss ERS for sure, bro. And then I saw his video on BET Uncut. But then when I was working at the YMCA in Quincy, I was working the summer camp, and this dude come walking down the sidewalk. It looked like the motherfucker I had just seen in the music video, bro. I'm like, wait a minute, Casey? He's like, what up? He had like a Newberry Comics bag in his hand. I'm like, dude, that's where I bought you a CD. So fucking, it was a very small word, but I just saw him on his Instagram like this morning. He's doing like movies. He's out in California. But like, check him out, bro. You'd have fun like listening to Mighty yeah, Casey. He's definitely. not like, too serious, but like, shout out Mighty Casey, bro. He's Massachusetts made MC that made it before any of us did just briefly, but he did do. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I just talked to XL the Beast on uh, an episode that hasn't aired yet, but like it will about to did a video for him just recently. And we, we talked about how just like how the days of like the Tower Records on Newberry Street where there was the one star for Guru and there it was like one for like Marky Mar or like new it was just like, like Yo Yo Ma and you're just like this is what Boston hip hop is is and obviously no no shade on Guru. But like yeah. they, we didn't have, there wasn't anything. Anybody as XL put it, almost anybody who was good decided to go to New York because they had a better chance of making it. We never had a strong radio presence here, so it's not like we built a scene. And you know, that's why I was excited when like Made Men and like all those guys came out. Like yeah. when Benzino and shit dropped, like before the Eminem disc, like because because yeah. after the Eminem disc, this he wasn't worth so much. You could you couldn't like really proudly say that you were like a Benzino fan, even though I'll still say like bang to this, like that Benzino song, bang to this is hard. Yeah. The Benzino project album, like I did enjoy listening to for a short period of time when it came out. And then the classic limited edition Made Men album, yeah. like I fuck with all the Made Men, bro, like Mr. Jesus, uh Antonio Twice Thou, um, even Man Terror, bro. Like Man Terror was in like one of my videos like 10 years ago, bro. Like, shout out Man Terror. Yeah, this is Boston hip hop history, you know? Thanks, bro. Champagne Rod, too. Like, shout out all them motherfuckers, bro. Like, yeah. Champagne Gang, all that shit, bro. Like, I was hanging out with like fucking drum roll studios. Like, I don't know if you were like Joey Benjamin's, Ray Trilogy. I met Ray through Lou. That's how I know all of them. But like, when I needed like a studio to go to when Lou left town, I started rocking with Joey Benjamin's at Drumroll Studios in Quincy. I think he's in Stoughton now, but he was my engineer for a long time. And like then Joey started putting on like engineering classes where all his clients would then come to learn how to do what he was doing. Um, and that's how I met my my good friend and like video client as well, Merson. Uh, if you want to check out one of the most fire MCs you ever ever hear of, check out Merson. Um, goes by like Mercer Lago sometimes, but Merson Lago, Merson, I'll, I'll post one of his videos on my Instagram later um, that I shot. He did, he got one called Amen and another one called F That that I did, but we got another one coming out soon. And I'll tell you this, when Merson raps, it always makes me feel like if Merson came out the way he is now in like 98, 97, 98, 99, like Big L and Jay-Z might not be in the places they're at because Mercer might have been in that spot. Oh, man. Like, check like, him out then. 
clarity speak like bro i'm just trying to tell you like the the depth the it's all there bro the the precision the timing like the the pockets the the clarity the enunciation like everything is like bro this dude's supposed to be a rapper yeah you know and shout out him he's like literally one of my best friends to this day music has literally brought like so my last thing i'll say is this like uh for tonight and I want to thank you again for having me on, bro. Oh, thank you for being here, man. It's fantastic. So I had this birthday party that my family threw for me the other day. I haven't had a birthday party in a long time, all right? And uh, the friends that I had at that place, right, the, the friends that I had come in, in my name, two of those friends, if not like three of those friends, were from my childhood. The rest of them were all people I knew through music and have relationship with because of music yeah the other three were like kids from my town that i grew up with but like the other 10 i'm like oh my god i'm like i got homeboys here from all across the board you know what i mean and they're all due to music and everything including this podcast interview here with you bro yeah i mean the only reason i'm here is because i met um i was at a rave where i met my uh, my girlfriend at the time who had a friend kim who was friends who met this dude skippy at a rest area and skippy was friends with judge the disciple if you know him at all and judge and i did a ton of stuff together back in the day and that's how i met hush judge it's, D, right yeah judge yeah. D. yeah man hush does a lot hush has given me a lot of history lessons on like that side of things from when like i was not in the realm as much as i was before am now like because i did miss like a good four-year chip of things yeah um, yeah, that was like kind of around like 2008 to 12. Yeah, know? that was really the time that I was like kind of really doing a lot of stuff with those dudes. And yep. um, it was just that's it's, why I never met you till now. Yeah, probably not. Yeah, um, and I'm glad I did. Me um, too, man. Let's definitely do this again sometime and we'll talk some wrestling. And I'm gonna try to come out to one of your shows um, at some point because I, I really I got to see some live wrestling in person. And... Yes, bro. It's a whole vibe, bro. Yeah. It's a whole vibe, bro. And then you get to know some of the wrestlers, you know what I mean? Be like, hey, man, you need some theme music. You know what I, I mean? Know. I'll tell you, my best experience at a wrestling show is, um, I had mentioned before, and we'll close after this, um, so who was a he had once said on the air on one of his podcasts that, like, if anybody's going to be in the TN in the area of the impact zone, hit me up and I might be able to help you out. And I remember that because I was going to Disney. And so I hit him up and it was right around the time of Hulk Hogan's first pay-per-view in TNA, where it was a headline by Engel versus um, AJ. And he's I think so. Yeah. And so he's like, he's like, all right, I got you on a list. Let me know how it works. And I get in there and and I guess he told them that I was this cousin. And I went in and first we couldn't get in because the people at the front door didn't believe any of this. But eventually we got in with the general public and I saw Dixie Carter and I'm like, I'm (laughs) cousin. She's like, oh, right over there. And (laughs) I was sitting in the seat. I was right behind Elijah um, with H. Elijah Burke's family, and I was right sitting right next to SoCal Val. Like I was here, and the barrier was here, and she's on a chair right there. So I was like uh-huh. high fiving SoCal Val the whole night. It Bye. was it was like the best. It was like cost us nothing. I remember I sent something really nice after, but my friend was like, "Who? How the hell did you get these tickets?" I'm like, "I don't know." But it was like, that's how. Which I'm telling you, if he is the best, you know, it's funny that when you're nicer than you have to be, the world comes back at you. But 
Yes, sir. He, he's a special dude in the wrestling world, and he's somebody who I think um, a lot of really only out there for themselves, and they put themselves over. He's somebody who was so interested in actually wrestling that he puts himself to the back, and he just really wants to do the best work possible. So, all right, man, we've been doing this forever, but let's um let's catch up again soon. And um, thank, you. thank you so much for doing this, man. Great time, man. Check me out. I am Smoke. I am SMXKE on Instagram and on uh, YouTube at Smoke Screen Visuals. So check me out. And we'll have all that stuff in the bottom of the screen the whole episode, yeah. too. So, oh, yeah. Cool, man. It's been a pleasure. pleasure bro.